three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast, and we are here with your man, Smoke. How you doing, sir? I'm still on the right side of the dirt and hey. back in the mo. Welcome back. <laughs> it's been a long time, right? What episode number were you in? Was it not? It eleven. Was it? It was eleven. eleven. Okay, yeah, because yeah, uh, he was here for four. Well, brothers I was too. on four brothers. Well, Ranger was here for ten, right? Nine. Nine. Yeah, nine. So this it was is, nine. Oh nine. my God! So you're this is your trifecta. Yeah, yeah. Three Peter. You, you know. poor bastard. <laughs> right. All right. So. It's the Stone Apes podcast. I got to get high since I'm the only one getting high today. You bastards. But that's okay. All right. Who's got a lighter? We did not do the lighter click. We did not. Fucking Eric isn't here. This is the problem. Damn. <laughs> Professor. We're going to have to yell at him. Get him back. So how you guys been? You're all the way up from Louisiana, right? Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi. Yeah. I don't know why I keep getting that wrong. Uh, they, they smell it's the same. Same difference. It's a swamp. Same thing. Swampy. At least the part I'm in. Swampy banjos. <laughs> I've been to I've been to both areas like twice in my life, so it isn't an area that I frequented very much. Right. But I am definitely going to be making a trip, sir. For sure. For that sure. That is that is in the plans to come out there and see you. So we got a couple of things to talk about today. Yeah. One, you made a a special trip up here. Right. For us. Sure. Which is dopeness and you brought with you gifts i did i did yeah 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 so Uh, why don't you tell the story about how uh, this comes about and (laughs) why you end up in possession of this said item so bullshitting and well not necessarily bullshit i was working out at a, a buddy of mine's property that he recently acquired and there's a bunch of shit off in the woods just junk um a lot and so i end up uh shooting you guys some some selfies so to speak of some of these things i'm pulling out with my tractor and uh one of them is an old one ton chevrolet pickup uh and then there was a, a frame another chevrolet frame and uh and then there's this jeep looking thing and so jokingly i said something to the effect and i could pull it up and tell you what i said but it was some of uh Barely used mint condition uh, vehicles for sale or trade, you know, and uh, jokingly send this, send a couple of videos of me yanking them out of the woods and just doing man stuff, I guess. And uh, all of a sudden get a text back from you like, I want that one. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that looks great. Are you fucking serious right now? Because it really looks like scrapyard material to me, but whatever. And uh, you were like, no, I for sure, I'm, I'm for real considering it. And I was like, well, if you want it, you got it. I'll, I'll hide it at my place away from the meth heads that'll scrap it, you know. And uh, then, it was, then it was some, uh, I guess, convincing on my part. Hey, you want this other one too? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> Save me the trouble of trying to get them across the scales. Uh, so yeah, so I bring this, this Jeep looking thing up and to me, it's just a scrap junk Jeep. And then I send you some information on it and you're like, yeah, that's a 1947 Willys. 46. 46. And I was like, and so for me, it was like, yeah, it looks like tetanus with wheels on it. Uh, but if you want it, I'll bring it to you. And so, uh, you've, you've made some decisions 
uh, about how that's going to play out, but I'll let you talk about that. That is all right, man. We are so appreciative. So for the audience out there that don't know, you need to be paying attention to the Instagram account. There's going to be some stuff coming. We're going to shoot an intro video, but we are going to turn this Willys into the Stoned Apes Willys Project. And we're going to make this the official vehicle of the Stoned Apes. It's going to be badass. Like, it's I have no doubt. It's, Sarge is going to be driving this around town. It's going to be his <laughs> official vehicle. I like, said. I'm going to put him in a Cavalar, like a little dump hat, right? <laughs> and no shirt. Flak like, vest. Fucking flak vest. Some right. LB, Ranger panties. Yeah, the old LBE <laughs> shit. Right. And we're going to drive him around town. And the Stone Apes fucking willies all day long. Well, I'm telling you, I wish I would have got Sugar a picture. Cigar. With a cigar. <laughs> I wish I would have got a picture of his face as I was coming down his driveway with it on the trailer. Because it was a whole wash over look of, did he just bring me a lawn ornament? That's exactly what <laughs> No, right. we yanked it. We yanked it off the back of there. Well, we didn't yank it off anything. We... I drove a, out from we under wrapped him. a strap around a tree <laughs> okay. and some chains and drove. So let's let's be legit though. I mean, I haven't been there to see it in person, but I have seen the photos. Right. Okay. From the photos, it looks excellent. For the age, for the condition, oh, sure. For sure. compared to other ones that I have seen that are in that for age, sure. this is a great great starter project this oh, is yeah. not a problem at all no i mean it's some, got potential some, some welding and some sheet metal uh, oh yeah that's just sheet metal you in the know back and then go. depending on how original you want to go with parts i could see that being an issue but yeah. i mean for for what you're trying to do with it i don't think it's going to be a problem at all any fab shop could i joined clean it up. i joined several of the uh willie's boards on facebook mm-hmm and the information that they're first off, they're super plentiful. Oh yeah, um, parts are everywhere, right? And so I'm not really too worried about that. And then I really don't have a lot of interest of redoing it stock. Right. I don't want to be driving around a stock Willys. Like right. I'm going to do something a little ridiculous. <laughs> I don't put, think people that were driving around a stock Willys wanted to drive around stock yeah, Willys. Yeah. Well, you know, most most of the boards though, the guys that are out there are redoing them stock. So they're yeah. they're coming out with some base model willies, or you know they're putting like you know twenty nine inch tires or something right. like that. But they're making it more um, like original willies, right. where yeah, there's whole clubs for that. I'm right. gonna completely bastardize this thing right. and turn it into a rock crawling monster of a right. thing, and right. it's gonna be gorgeous, <laughs> and it's gonna be amazing. I just have a vision of like psychedelic paint all over it. it that's not out of the question, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm not saying it won't have mushrooms all over that motherfucker. That's I have what no, I'm getting at, right? Yeah, I have no idea what it's what the end product. I know it's going to be black. Yeah, black will be the color for sure. That for we sure. know, and that's it. From there, the rest of it, we're just going to have know. to figure I, it out. I feel like go. you got to throw some like lime greens and purples and big and stone yellows, ape on the like hood. a big stoned ape on the hood. And the no, whole... no, no, I'm down with the big stoned ape. I just don't know where we're oh. at on the psychedelic colors oh. just yet. <laughs> That's going to take some convincing. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that with the wheels. That would work. We can do that the psych- color shift accent paint. Dude, that would be kind of dope. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I got a I got a guy that might be able to hook us up with that. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be badass. When it's done, it's going to be badass. And I imagine that it would be parked in front of the studio 99% of the time once that's completed. Like it's it's kind of a uh, it'll be an attraction for 100%, sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. I took them by there the other day. Oh, cool! You yeah. seen the studio? Well, that the, the, out, outside, the outside. Yeah. And we kind of went up, and I seen kind of you know he talked to me about some of the plans y'all got for it and whatnot. But. Yeah, those that's going to be the uh, 
that's our big project right now. Right. And and for the listening audience that don't know, so we have finally, and I think we announced it, we got our keys on the uh, Tom's episode when Tom Vogel yep. came in. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's our effective landlord. So, great guy. Thank God I like the <laughs> landlord, right? How lucky is that? Right. But we, um, we're in the process of renovating the studio. We're hoping loosely hoping because there is no real time frame we're hoping to have the studio up and going by august sure um and and that seems to be realistic it may take a little longer than that because we know how that goes right 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 but um you know like this week my plans got shifted i didn't even get a chance to work on it this week and and i may not so you know life's gonna happen life happens yeah this isn't a front page item so uh, you know, but it will get it done. And so, yeah, we have big plans for the studio and then we're going to have the Willie's project. And then I got the, uh, I'm going to be doing some stuff with the forerunner as well. And, and we have another forerunner project and page coming and, right. and, and we're going to make some stuff there because we're going to start documenting our overlanding trips and well, I mean, you guys got things, things on multiple fronts too. I mean, you're still working with, with the, what, the, the mead and the, and the, the, uh, What's the thing the captain's doing? The bourbon. So, I mean, that's that's still in the works. Too. Yeah, we got that. We we got our merchandising line finally figured yeah. out. And uh, we, uh, we're going to have a full merchandising line starting here shortly once uh, once we get some of the uh, technical internet issues resolved. Right. Well, and I'm hoping to start getting some uh, trips captured uh, for social media so people can see stuff we're doing. I've been tagging us and all of the conditioning stuff I'm doing at the gym and uh, we I might be going out it's still tentative um, actually professor and I were going to talk to you about going too, and maybe going out to the PGF qualifier that Elliot's going to be competing in and shooting live out there in August potentially you had me at hello yeah like, in Nashville <laughs> and uh, we, if it involves traveling you don't have to turn my wrist or anything like I'm just gonna go <laughs> right like that's my big itch in life it's like I'm all about the travel like that's all I want to do it's not I wanna, Nashville I want to travel 24-7 I don't give a fuck where I'm going what it is like let's just let's go right you know and everything I can turn into a trip I'm gonna make it a trip and I want to see as much of the world as I can and man that is like that's 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 that's, it that's That's kind of what I wanted to do at retirement like you know we said earlier life happens but like I bled for it so I kind of wanted to see what I what it was about well we're gonna get your ass into overlanding and then we'll have to start taking trips I already kind of do it it's it's just in a tractor (laughs) (laughs) you do it in a vehicle the the kidneys love it yeah (laughs) we'll we'll do overlanding with shrooms I mean, I'm down. That now, can, now we yeah, have so you not, at so, hello. Yeah, Thank you, right, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a game changer. That's right? the that's game whole, changer. That's a whole different animal. It'd be like me taking a walkabout in the forest. Yeah, that's a motherfucker. <laughs> I talked to Danny too about maybe heading out for a weekend hunting trip to his family's cabin in Pennsylvania. Well, I want to. Well, not even just that. I want to take you guys back to New Mexico, and I want to go up into that one uh, elk or deer camp that we were in, and uh, I think that would be a great great trip because uh i would love to go elk hunting you know that's one thing i have not got to do and after seeing them close up and in person a lot i realized that that is also going to be a challenge uh, yeah me yeah. and sarge have talked about that for the, years the backpacking but, the meat out by itself right, right. Okay. yeah and it was told, o- but there was always like let's go up in the dakotas well, no, or, we were, we were going to go to alaska well, go I'll, out with new I'll tell yeah. you what. So I want to talk about this because this because we're going to talk about fitness a little bit later. But this is going to be really eye opening, I think, not just for my for you guys, but maybe even for some of the people in the audience. Right. Um, 
my fitness level isn't in question. I'm not an out of shape guy, no. right? I'm not in the best shape ever, but I'm not out of shape ever either, right? right? And so we go out there and, you know, when we go hiking around here, if, you know, we want to do an eight mile hike, a 15 mile hike, I mean, those are just, that's not out of the question. We're going to go do that. Like, right. no big deal, you know? And uh, that's a pretty regular thing that we do. So hiking and, and fitness related activities were good. You know, and then I've read articles about people that go on these hunts. And uh, the, recently I read this hunting article where this guy, this guide was talking about fitness of the people that are coming, right? And so in my head, I'm picturing all of these, like, fat, out of overweight, yeah. out-of-shape dudes, like, going out to... And then they're like, oh, I'm going to go fucking oak hunting, right? And so I'm thinking, okay. So then this article is like, well, they, we make them go through a fitness test. Mm. And I was like, okay, no big deal. So here we are. We're in the middle of New Mexico. We're at about 7,400 feet-ish in the in the valley that we were in. And uh, we had a, a mountain ridge line because we were in a... Um, um, we were actually in a canyon, a literal canyon. We were in Ooh Canyon right. out in the National Forest. And so on each side of the canyon, you had the mountains that went up. And so it was about, uh, it wasn't a whole lot of elevation. I had three, 400 feet. Mm. Okay. Um, but then when you got to the other side of it, it ended up stopping at about 8,400 feet. Right. So we went from about a thousand feet of elevation rise. Right. Oh my God, I died. <laughs> Like completely died. Right. My energy level was zero. Like I got about the first 150 feet going up that side of that mountain. And you were probably not even talking about more than like an eight to 10% grade. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Right. I was comfortably walking except for I was taking breaks and right. I was like, holy so the air shit. Gets thinner. Dude, the higher you go. wait, you know, they, my fitness level went down considerably. I would say at least 50% at elevation mm -hmm. and wow. when you think about what your physical demands and requirements would be backpacking up and down those mountains looking for elk going out and guiding no 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 that article all of a sudden i was like no 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 man you're the fat ass right. like you're gonna have to well, train for this like this why. fitness test is for you too right. and i was like okay thank you that's why i needed that that's why cameron haynes trains the way he does the bow hunter joe rogan's buddy and uh, so Mountain Athlete, which uh, they actually helped develop a program called the Horseman Program for some t for a premier Tier 1 unit. I actually know a guy who helped develop that program. But Mountain Athlete, that's what they did. It's very metabolic condi conditioning-based stuff that's sport-specific to, like, that helps with hunting. And it's actually what I've been using some of the conditioning I'm doing right now. I've tailored some of those concepts to jujitsu for the conditioning because it's the proofs in the pudding. They train guys, they have guys get ready to go hump heavy packs full of meat up and down mountains. They've trained tier one units, how to perform. Like it's, well, it's there's a, good, a reason it's for a, it. You know, the elevation training is definitely something that, you know, we, we, and Michelle and I, one of the things that uh, are one of our goals is to climb the seven peaks. There's seven hikeable peaks in Colorado and we want to hike the seven peaks. Right. Wow. And um, so we've been kind of training for that in like long peak, for example, it's only like a 14 mile hike. It's seven up, seven down, but you're going up to the top of a mountain and down. I've been right? there. This is, yeah. So this is a, a, a little bit more challenging than just yeah, walking. It's not just walking through the seven miles. Park. Right. Right. Yeah. So we've been kind of training for that and I bought some elevation trainers like I have an elevation mask and stuff but I, I will say this it didn't do me a damn bit of good like 
<laughs> there, it did not work like it was supposed to. My elevation mask did not help me prepare for elevation in this particular instance. Mm. Like now, Michelle's from Canada, and then she's lived in Colorado most of her life, so she's adjusted to the elevation. She had zero problems. Like, zero. She was just like, another day in the park, no big deal. And I'm over here dying like a fool. And I'm like thinking, <laughs> I'm like, you know, at one point when we got up, uh, we had hit about the 8,200 feet mark, and we were starting to come over, which isn't even a lot of elevation, right? It's, no. it, that is really not that high. Right. Okay? You know, Colorado Springs, I think, sits at 6,000 feet. And like, the whole city. And that's right? where all the all-army teams are located for a reason. Mm-hmm. All their sports teams. And so... Uh, you know, it, it was eye-opening. I I'd felt like at one point I, th- I thought I was going to pass out. Like, I'd realize, like, okay, you know, because I was trying to push myself. And so, you know, because that's who we are, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, this is hard. And then the next thing you know, it becomes a challenge. Well, it was like I'm that like, when I was in Afghanistan. I was like, was the same oh, way. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, I'm not tired, you know, yeah. and I just kept pushing myself. And then all of a sudden I was like, hey, buddy, you're about ready to pass out. Yeah. Then I was like, oh, noted, you yeah. know, and had to stop. So. Yeah, I want to go elk hunting really bad, but I do have the intentions of preparing my fitness for that activity. Right. Because especially when you see the size of the animals, you realize you're going to have to gut quarter this thing and then backpack the meat out, too. Right. You know, holy <clears throat> shit, so this is a real chore. Caveat, right? if we go out and see Ranger, <laughs> we're going to be going out in, like, a caravan of toy haulers with side-by-sides, and they corral them loosely with a bunch of razors and then you shoot them with rifles and you're talking on radio that's one way we can do it first i like oh, your I way wanna, i like I'll, your way a lot better i'm i want to do it the the other way so. i want to do it both ways i want to take one with a yeah bow. i don't have i want to take I one with a bow interest. i don't have any interest to that i i'm more into the that's what he says now and then no. and then you put all that on your back and you be like yep <laughs> no, you know, I've always been one that's been drawn to the more primitive ways sure. of doing things. For sure. Same. And, and so to me, it's the uh, the challenge of doing the activity and succeeding with the activity and then coming through. And, you know, and that's even like, um, you know, deer hunting. I've been messing around uh, kind of jokingly, not jokingly. You know, I am uh, I'm getting to the point, especially in the area that I'm hunting now where it's so close that I want to try some primitive methods. Like I want to hunt with a spear or to try. Atlatl or something. Yeah, like yeah. something like that, right? Um, yeah, because I had actually looked that up because uh, I was actually thinking about trying elk hunting with one. Because I thought that the spear throw for an elk would be more reasonable or even trying it for a deer. Um, we got a couple of deer back here that look like elk. And yeah. so I, uh, you know, but I've actually wanted to try some primitive forms of hunting. Uh, just because I think it would be challenging, and you know, ancient man did it. Right. You know, it's maybe really highly unlikely, but it's not impossible. Well, well ancient you, man so, also did it with their tribe. Well, yeah, that's so what I was going to say. You have to look at right. an ancient man. The only I see th- at least three. What? Right. <laughs> I, I what? am an ancient man. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yes. Now, what made it human beings the apex predator is the ability to reason. You know, if you could get a bunch of guys who could have a, you know four-legged animal that is very fast and then they're essentially loosely corralling it getting it to run back and forth they'd run deer elk whatever down Mm. until they were exhausted and about to fall over and then they'd move in for the kill they couldn't outrun them elk elk are definitely a dangerous animal oh Oh, we did i ever tell you the story of one almost killing me yeah Oh man, we we when we were coming when we were coming out of the 
when we were coming out of the desert, we had a we were on a road that had a lot of elk crossing coming through. And we drove by an elk. You think they moved the sign and the elk would cross elsewhere? You would right? think, right? right? It was it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the most white knuckle drive of my whole life. We seen I, somewhere between three and five hundred elk yeah. in the sixty miles that we were on this road, and I, and and that's just because we lost count. Like it was fields full, right. and then there was herds moving through the road. You know, and they had a fifty-five mile an hour speed limit. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, we you know, we this was not happening. But one of the ones that we had uh, drove by was about the size of the Forerunner. Yeah, like it was a yeah. vehicle. They're not tiny. When when we it were at Fort huge. when we were at Fort Lewis and we'd go up to Rainier. Yep. I mean, they'd be everywhere. And I mean, we're and we're just going up, you know, a family day trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and they'll stop traffic and. Huge. How did, tell your story about how you almost got killed by one. I, <laughs> I need to know great. this. All right. I thought I said this on the podcast before. Maybe not. I haven't heard so, it. This is the first for me. Me and my first wife were in Estes Park, Colorado, which, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a huge I've tourist area. Totally beautiful. The Stanley mm-hmm. Hotel's there. They shot uh, The Shining, Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. when they're coming down the steps. Anyway, awesome views. Well, when the elk, the elk have free reign, and when they're in the rut, they just take over the town. Like, traffic can be yeah. a pain forever. Well, we were kind of on a back road trying to find a place. We had a dinner reservation, and we were trying to find it. And so we weren't on that main drag going into town. We were kind of off toward one of the mountains a little more. And there was an apartment complex there, and there was a clearing next to it, and there was a big cow elk. And she was like, I want a picture of it. And she just, we had her little Ford Focus we're in. And I'm like, jump out and take a picture. I'm driving. She's like, no, I don't want to, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So she hands me her camera. And at the time, it's one of those where you would slide. It's just a little, like, ID card size, whatever. And you slide it, and the shutter would auto-adjust. I forgot the shutter auto-adjusted. So I creep all the way up to the edge of this clearing. And... I snap this shutter open to take a picture of this cow elk, and that shutter makes the noise, and she looks up at me, and she runs back into the brush, disappears. And I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. So I shut the shutter, and I go to turn around, and it sounds like a freight train coming through the other side of this clearing, and this massive bull elk breaks through the far side of this clearing, and he's looking right at me. I'm talking his body's pawn, going this way. I'm talking pawn the ground, <laughs> banging its horns off the ground. Like I'm like backing up, backing up, backing up, and this thing charges. I go running out of the woods. My ex-wife said it was funny because she sees me bust through some brush and I'm laughing hysterically. And behind me, the brush just explodes, and this massive elk is on my ass, like knocking down little trees, everything else. I got I cut into the parking lot of this apartment complex and I'm juking between cars. This thing's fucking up cars, like hitting it with its antlers, pissed, trying to get to me. Like I'm cutting back and forth. I'm like, go to the other side, pick me up. I juke, 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 like tic-tacking between these cars. I finally like she pulls up and I like dive in. I'm like, go. She hauls ass and I look back in the rear view and this thing's standing in the road just staring at the car, pissed off. Like, almost got killed by this bull elk. So, moral of the story is good luck with your spear, oh homie. I'm gonna be in the car. I wish uh, C- <laughs> there should be CCTV on this. Like, come on. How do we not have video of this the from easy the apartment way, complex? The easy way is to just strap a GoPro to, 
this to Sarge well, 24-7, and then everybody can also watch these stories. I mean, I live, <laughs> oh a, I live a weird life. He lives life. a pretty weird life. They can be validated. <laughs> I've gone into some shit. Yeah, almost got killed by a bull elk in Estes Park, Colorado. See, I haven't I haven't had anything like that. Jesus. So, I've been I've been hunting in the woods a long time. I've never had a wild animal even attempt to attack me. Well, you know they say deer actually kill more hunters annually than any other animal? Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Dude, this year I seen the biggest deer of my life out here where I hunt. And uh when uh when I had originally seen it, it was it was sleeping, right? And so it was bedded down. And uh it got up from bedding and uh it, I, it was huge. If somebody would have told me a deer could get that big, I just think I would have laughed at them. I, it, I've never <laughs> seen one so big. It right. looked like a small elk. It yeah. was the biggest fucking thing I'd ever seen. And, um, yeah, that's the first thing that went through my head. I was yeah. like, that would kill you. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm, I was walking 40 yards while it was sleeping from where it was at. Yeah. And I'm thinking, holy shit, you know, a bow, whatever. I did not want to be on the ground with that guy around. Well, like, and, and that was that was a terrifying animal. What's Dude, even worse that. is when they're in the rut because they've only got one thing on their mind. Right. Oh yeah, which is like, why that one came yeah, at me. When, so when they're hard. in the rut. Well, I have. If you uh, if you look out the window there, you'll see that I have one of those uh, deer decoy targets. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so <laughs> I keep that out there, and then you know I practice. That's where I do my archery practice. Deer come by regularly and fuck this guy up, okay? <laughs> this dude is so tattered and battle-torn from other deer. Right. Like, I come out in the morning and his head's, like, knocked off the handlers, <laughs> you know, and I'm out there putting them back together. And so uh, I always laugh because a lot of my hunting friends are like, decoys don't work, they're going to run deer shit. off and all this shit. And I'm like, no, 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 listen. Right. I can tell you for a fact that this has no bearing on it. And so this year when I went hunting, uh, during the rut, I decided to take the deer with me. <laughs> and then and so I put him down there at the right. edge of this field where I know they were betting at. And I ended up getting a kill using yeah. that decoy because he J-hooked, came in from the back exactly like he was. He was coming up for that decoy. He yeah. thought the decoy was the threat. And then I got him. And I was like, you know, I, I at least in a suburban area where I'm hunting, um, I don't believe that the decoys are a bad thing. And now if we're in a more remote area, maybe that could potentially run something off. But these deer that are coming through here regularly are beating the shit I'm, out of that guy. I know tons of people and down that doesn't in Mississippi seem to that have a, a decoy in their yard, and there's always other deer in their yard. Well, mm-hmm. it's well insane. for me to circle it back to fitness, that's why I've been talking about these hunting trips and stuff, because you know the things you put in your body, even if you're eating meat and trying to get grass-fed, trying to get whatever, I'm like, well, we like to hunt anyway. We already do this, podcasting and talking about stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got friends all over. Go do these trips. I plan on filling freezers. I don't care if I'm doing absolutely. it primitive. I don't care if I'm doing it in side-by-sides, having a good time. Like, I'm filling freezers. Now, I'm absolutely with you. I actually had the plan last year, which I didn't get around to. I wanted to take a deer, get the sinew from it, and I wanted to make a string, craft my own bow, and then take a take it with a primitive bow this year. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to bump that plan another year, but right. um, it's on the list. I had to show you this. Look at this monster. People have no idea how big those are. Holy cow! That's a shed. Wow! So there's a bear next to a shed, in scratching the, its back, destroying the shed. The the bear is more than eight feet tall. And Easily. just demolishing the shed, scratching its back. like It's yeah. terrifying. It, absolutely terrifying. That must be a 
1,000 to 1,200 pound animal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's huge. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely huge. Yeah, no, bears. Uh, so you were the one that told me the story, and it kind of changed my perspective on my carry when I'm going out into the wilderness, right? Yeah. And uh, so I took my shadow systems out with me, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, props to shadow systems, by the way. I love your product. You should definitely consider talking to the stone apes. But... Uh, <laughs> Nice so, plug. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I do love their product, though. All right. Um, long before the Stoned Apes was a thing. Yeah, so, it's a quality, um, quality system. It is. But so, you know, I'm out there running around with that. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking, like, that's fun. And then uh, he tells me the story. He's like, so, yeah. He goes, uh, this guide was out there uh, hunting. <laughs> and uh, he heard some gunshots coming down the way. And, and, and uh, you know, one, two shots or whatever. And then he'll you can tell the story better than me. But go ahead and tell that story real so, quick. I'm remembering this story from when I was a kid. So the details, if I'm wrong, are maybe a little off, but the story generally is accurate. So when I was in, a kid in Texas, my dad had a friend and his brother, I believe it was, was killed on a guided hunting trip in Alaska. And they had been out and they were on one of those like long guided trips, like pack horse in with your, you know, attached mule or whatever. And... <laughs> this guide they were scouting a ridgeline and the guide they weren't really seeing anything and it was a bear hunt he said i'm gonna go scout this other ridge hang out here well when he was on the other ridge he heard a shot or heard here's a couple other shots and he's like okay something's going on he jumps on his horse goes heading that way well, when he gets there the guy's not there but he sees some bear tracks and he follows them follows them like half a mile away and at that location the horse was dead mauled to death the guy was mauled to death and the bear was mauled to death. And he shot this bear, I believe it was either in the head or the heart. And it ran him down. It, it had shot him quartering where the bear was quartering toward him. So animals bolt when you hit them typically. And even though it was a lethal shot, it charged and ran him down. 300 windbag, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah, it was shit, one of those man. big, heavy calibers. And it ran him down, mauled him and his horse to death, and then finally died. And... People don't realize the like how animals have to live, and you don't you don't comprehend how fast a bear so, is. Well, and fast forward, and so my dumbass was like, <laughs> okay, yo, you know, I got my nine mil on me, right? right. You know, I'm like, I got yeah. I got fifteen rounds. I had an extra clip. I figured, man, if I can't put something down in thirty rounds, I'm fucked anyway, right? right. So I'm naive, and then 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 you know, Sarge corrects me, and I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. We'll get a bigger gun. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I Thank you him, very much. I told him, look, dude, if we <laughs> like, go, if we go hunting, hand cannon coming. Yeah. If we right. go hunting in the Western United States, yeah. I'm gonna have a Roland Special 10 millimeter Glock with hard cast wad cutters in it. Yeah. You talked me into for the bear Glock. defense. Yeah. I mean, that's that's that's. I'm a Glock. That's fan. the only reason yeah. I own a 1911. Oh, I'm a the Glock, only reason. I'm a Glock fanboy anyway. Oh, so for sure. talking Same. me into buying another Glock is like nothing. Yeah. No, get a 10 mil. Thank yeah. you. Well, right. done. I want, I want it <laughs> already I want, ordered. I want all the tools because if a bear is charging, like you don't realize, like everybody talks about like creatures of old and being well, scary, and it's like a bear, like it can run as fast as your dog. My dog can run from my mailbox to me, which is 100 yards, in literally about two seconds, three seconds. And one day I was out talking to a friend, talking about bears, and she got out, and I called her back to me. And I was like, that thing's on you. Oh, yeah. That fast. Like, you just, you can't fathom it unless you start kind of doing the math in your head. It's like, 
Yeah. yeah. Nope. So back to correction being in the was truck noted, or was <laughs> right, 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 right. right? Like I've survived plenty of near death experiences. I'm good. Same. Yeah. Good. Now, I don't want to mess with the big bears, man. I'm not. I'm not into that. And I don't even know if I want to go bear hunting because I've heard that bear meat doesn't taste all that great. No, it can be good. I've heard it it's real, be? real yeah. fatty. I've never had it. Either. I've never had it. Either. I, have. I have to try. I have. It. I've had sausage made from it. I've I had. had an, I actually had an opportunity at a restaurant when we were in. Fort Lewis, but uh, yeah, no, I've I think it. they were I out. Like it. I think yeah. it was the issue. It's rich. I really want to go bear hunting, but I can't ethically kill something that I'm not willing to eat. Right. So it's like you know, unless I'm going to take the meat or I have some purpose for it, I right. can't just go kill an animal. I look at I, it. It's not about sport. You well, know? I look at it like anything you prepare right is okay. Remember that show? I believe it was on Meat Eater back in the day. He got he was betting his buddies. He's like, I could. I could feed myself anywhere because it was the same dude, but I don't know if it was Meat Eater. It may have been this show before. Um, and they were, he said so he had a bet with his buddies, like, I could subsist anywhere. And so they're like, all right, San Francisco, go. And so the whole show was cool because he's driving into town on the way in, and there was some roadkill on the side of the road. I think it was a possum. And he checks it. He's like, no, it's still warm. Okay, it was just hit. He throws in the cooler. He's like, well, worst case. Because he told everybody, I'll feed all you from the when I get back from this trip. I think I saw this episode. And then he goes out, and he literally, like, he's like, well, because he has to eat off the land while he's there, right? So he's shimmying up, like, the underside of, uh, uh, like, a girder to get under an overpass, and he's grabbing pigeon eggs to cook that night. He tries to fish. He's like, well, I can yeah. always fish. The only thing he caught was a bike. He ends up noodling <laughs> eels you know, out. Survival skills like that are so cool. I, I really want to do that. I would love to one day go out on like a seven or a ten day adventure with like a guide right. that could do that and just subsist off the land. Like you go out there with nothing, you build your shelters and you collect your food and you forage. Dude, I used well, to do that. Very, I used to do that very, when I was a very, teenager in the mountains. Very we just used to go out with an books LCD. being read and you don't need a guide. Yeah, you really don't. You really don't. There's so much. If you can I mean, forage, so just just around here. It sounds like I have two guides already. Is that what you're telling me? You got, <laughs> well, I have my own guide. She I feel, married me. I feel like I would uh, probably end up getting raped. <laughs> I just don't know if that feels safe. I don't know. I mean, you're, are you willing? There's stipulations. Sarge is going to be like non participatory jujitsu. <laughs> it's okay. Don't make eye contact. <laughs> We're just rolling. We're just rolling. Relax. But very, 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 <laughs> very little reading, though, in all seriousness. Very little reading, and you'd be surprised at how many things just grow in your own backyard that you cut every other week with your lawnmower for, that for, you can eat. So I'll say this. For five, for, for five to seven days, like what you're talking about, especially if you're already used to fasting, yeah, the I mean, minim- I could I could not eat for seven days already. Right, the minimal. So. Well, if you watch, you ever watch the show Alone? No, I don't need, think so. You need to. Okay. Uh, basically, the premise of the show is they get to take ten items out with them, whatever they want. Is that kind of like Naked and Afraid? Uh, n- <laughs> so they're literally they have to hump out their camera equipment and ten items that they get to pick, and go out survive as long as you can by yourself. Fair. And and. You have guys who are special forces vets. Matter of fact, the rucksack I have right now, the multicam one, it was the guy in one of the first seasons who worked in Fort Gordon when I was there. He's an army sniper, um, Vivito. But uh, they used to do it in Vancouver, BC. Um, but in Van- 
in Vancouver, they would uh, use gill nets and stuff. So people started being able to um, get a lot of fish and stuff like that. And so they had, had them start going to more remote locations. And uh, it's interesting because you see, like, they've, they have doctors come in once a week and check these people's vitals. And they have sat phones if they're going to tap out. And they've had people starving to death. Like, there was one guy, he was a kind of a hippie-ish dude, but he was good with a bow, but he had got a lot of fish, and because he was unwilling to eat a lot of them, like, they came in, and they're like, his kidney levels and everything else, where he was, they're like, you're about to die. He's like, I can eat more fish. They're like, you let it go too far in one of the seasons. I think they were in Patagonia when they did that one. It's a great show. You'd like it, but... The people who say, I'll just go out and hunt, I laugh about when people say that all the time anyway. That's what everybody else is going to do, too. Unless you (laughs) live in the western United States, that is an inaccurate thing. Even for us right now, like everybody's like, well, if times are tough, I'll hunt. Well, what most people don't realize, during the Great Depression, the whitetail population in the United States went almost completely extinct in a year. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you and Captain talking about that. Right. Like, so... And hunting's not easy for anybody out there that doesn't hunt. You're there's bet- nothing. No, your be- your better your bet- success rate is very low. If you right. look at very low, if you look at the collection of calories and what the best bang for your buck is, it's trapping. Yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. And then you can. There's a reason why in Sears School they're having guys eat grubs mm-hmm. and stuff for protein and calories and stuff like that but uh, that to go out to for seven days and just have a fun trip where you're kind of doing oh yeah for, i'm, foraging not, I'm and not trying to do it long term here well i mean because there are certain fun. things that i don't necessarily know i'm not sure i'm going to do the grub eating right there are certain things i may not be able well, to that's, like that's get the thing. over there, there's or don't want to there are just trees that grow that once you peeled the bark back, you can actually eat the interior of the tree. Well, and it's you, actually really healthy. You for can you. actually yeah. make flour from uh, pine. Yeah, there was matter of fact, one of the guys on the show. He was a, uh, I think he was a retired first special forces group guy, if I remember correctly. He went out and he was eating some of the pine bark, processing it, doing that. And the reason he had to tap out on the show is he couldn't find anything else, and it impacted him so much he couldn't shit. And it was physically making him sick, and he had to tap out because he was having a medical emergency because he couldn't find anything that's else. That's crazy. There's so much that's food awesome. growing it's a good in show. your You'd yard. Like it. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. That you're, you're throwing out as lawn clippings. People don't even realize it. They yeah. don't even realize it. I mean, I cultivate a lot of that stuff in my – well, I should say my wife, rather. Yeah, a lot she of it's cultivates medicinal. cultivates a ton of it. Uh, and, you know, she's making tinctures with, you know, 100-proof vodka and all kind of stuff. Like, it – <laughs> that's awesome she's a genius at that stuff mm-hmm. she really is and what was uh, it you collected the other oh, we're gonna melons. have to talk about that more sometime that, yeah, was, that would sure. be a good podcast well, topic and like here mullen, here, mullen yeah she was de- i know dehydrated uh, mullen at my house today she's yeah. like where's your dehydrator i know the uh i know the professor would really like to do an episode on like homesteading yeah and more of that i think that that's a big but topic. we should time that for another visit when i'm here because yeah, that's yeah, for sure cause us three all do it yeah like i that's yeah i don't do homesteading <laughs> at all yeah so like, this is a topic where i have I, a lot to learn i haven't really lately I'm, my entire chicken flock got wiped out by a fox i'm about trying a month to put ago. walmart in my backyard yeah legit like i i legitimately have like creek access swamp access swamp donkeys tree mm-hmm. rats uh, deer and squirrel for those of you who don't speak Mississippi. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, we've got chickens. We'll have eggs soon. Uh, 
you know, rabbit hutch. And then I, I grow anything, just about anything that you can find in the produce section at Walmart. I grow right. Just about all of it. That's awesome. Uh, and, and it doesn't take a lot of space. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of energy. Um, but the payoff, uh, without giving away too much information, uh, we could probably not grocery shop for a year or better and be just fine. Yeah, and wow, that's without that's even putting new plants in the wow. ground. It's that's like, just wow. It's like me the year I moved when I was calling him. I I did a couple hundred pounds of tomatoes. I'm still eating the spaghetti sauce I made. Right. Yeah, see I definitely have interest in this and I right. want to learn more about it and uh you know, down the road, I foresee myself eventually getting to a property to where I could do right. something like that. Well, and, and when I, I say, don't know anything about it when, right now. When I say we could not, I'm talking, that's me, my wife, my daughter, her boyfriend. Right. Uh, my, uh, another friend of mine. Like, we could literally not grow sh- grocery well, shop and then for at the, least a year. You know, what I like about it more than anything is you're ensuring the quality of the food. Right. You know exactly what and, you're eating. You're, you know, that's one of the things I like about hunting. And, you know, Sarge mentioned that earlier. It's yeah. A, you go to my freezer, it's full of deer meat. Right. right. I know where that animal came from. Right. You know, I have a respect for that when I'm eating it. And, it, you know, I know that that animal is clean. You know, I processed it myself. I right. know everything about that right. very intimately. Well, and it, it, and it, and that, and that I enjoy much more than anything that I could purchase well, from and the it's store. The, it's the same thing when you're talking about produce and, and whatnot. You know, it's, I know everything that went into everything I'm growing. I, I don't use, you wasn't know, Roundup wasn't spray. Yeah. I don't use any yeah. chemicals at all. So it's what my dirt can produce just because it's my dirt well it's so hard to eat healthy or right. to buy healthy food and people don't realize that well, it's, not, eat, that, it's lot, not that it's hard it's expensive well and yeah but it's expensive and even the products that well, are labeled yeah. as organic or labeled as healthy until you start ingredient reading you really you know it's surprising how many all-natural products or how many vegan or organic products that you see that you could turn that label around yeah. and when you read the ingredients list it's had more chemicals in it than the no than the non-natural well, a lot of the times it's the preservatives and i i think that's a the biggest enemy we face when it comes to and we've kind of talked about it before even like yeah, they've banned a lot of that right. so yeah. so so here's the question right when was the last time you drove past a cucumber farm so, how on Don't earth? Know if I ever have. To right. Be fair. So, so when how on earth Georgia, did that cucumber backyard. that you just picked up at the grocery store, your local grocery store? What state do you think that was in when it was picked? Right. And now it's got to you, and it's to you, quote unquote, fresh. Hmm. So how did that happen, right? And, and I mean, yeah, you know, they flash freeze and keep things in coolers and sub-zero temperatures and yada, 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 whatever. But that's not fresh. I go out to my garden and I make my salad. And then I don't need one when I get inside because I ate it before I got to the house. Right. You know, it's, I mean, it's right there. Everything I need, tomatoes, peppers, lettuce, you name it. I've got all of it growing, squash. Herbs. We grow pumpkin. That's amazing. Every herb that I put in everything that I cook, I grew. Every single one of them. I'm jealous. And some of them have been, I've been nurturing along. They're four and five years old. And And I still just pick them off right now. I would guarantee that that is largely responsible for the transformation that you've been going through as well. Most definitely. I mean, so 
you know, talking about that and, and, you know, following a lot of y'all's guidance for sure. Uh, a big part of that was, um, unincorporating a lot of junk that was in my diet. Um, predominantly sugar, predominantly sugar and carbs. Um, and, uh, with that being said, you know, I grow a lot of fruits and vegetables. The hardest thing for me to give up, like I've always eaten healthy, it was just too much of it. Right. And a lot of sugar because I grow a lot. I mean, I grow figs, blackberries, so, blueberries, strawberries, cherry. I mean, since you, you brought it up <laughs> for everybody not here, when you came on the first podcast, what were you weighing? At that time, I was at about 265, 270. And, and you're, yeah. and you're, you're what now? Guy. I'm at 230. Dude. Right, and, you and look like a completely different human. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. But that's... Because I would think you've lost more than 30 pounds and probably have displaced well, some of that with muscle. And that's what I was going to say. Because you look you look like you've at least lost 50 pounds. Yeah? Well, yeah. yeah. I, well, I have technically since Jan- in January of this year. Uh, I was at 280. Uh, and then, so what had happened last... Uh, well, congratulations, man. Well, that thank fucking you, thank effort. You. Yeah. Last... Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'd, I'd got the flu Thanksgiving, got over it, and then got it again right around Christmas time. I had it all the way through about mid-January, and uh, really didn't eat much, you know, and I'll attribute it to that, being sick and not eating and just not feeling well, you know, right. it's, it's a thing, and it happens to everybody. And uh, just got on the scale on a whim, you know, noticed some minute differences, got on the scale on a whim, and then text Sarge, and I said, dude, I've been sick, but I've, I've lost... 15 pounds just being sick and i said and i'm not putting it back on i'm not so something's got to change <laughs> right. and uh so i just kind of stayed on that cycle from you know 280 you know down in that 265 270 range but just made better decisions like, and, and what's your height six one six one yeah okay uh but uh so six one two eighty that's significantly overweight. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I was I was thirty three percent of goo, like Fair. at least. You know what's funny <laughs> about the height weight thing though? So I used I was messing around. I had a similar app to the macro one you gave him the other day, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it the other day, so I just downloaded that one because it was very similar. And I because I hadn't used it in a while, and I put in my height and weight, and at my current weight of one seventy at my height, it said I was twenty seven percent body fat, and I laughed. And then I, go, I called that, him a fat ass. Uh, well, well, I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. Well, real body fat versus BMI that you calculate like that is two completely different things. You know, when I, I know, so it's funny. because of my size and shape, when I do my body fat, I usually go to the clinic and then I have it done so that I can get like a medically professional. You do test. water displacement or uh, caliper or I've done water displacement and I've done both, but typically anymore, I just do caliper. It's easier. It's accurate enough. Yeah. And I would, I would submit to the listening audience that both of these guys are lying to you. They're boulders with skin wrapped around them in the shape of Adonis. So don't let them fool you. <laughs> and that bullshit. is completely not true bullshit because no, when i sat I, here for my podcast i'm looking at at gentlemen that are the same age as me making me feel like you're garbage and only you can fix it and i just turned it into a positive thing that's all i did i said this well, is, i never told you you were garbage i know but that's 
the feeling was well, I'm garbage he's, by comparison. He's known me if for a long time. they can do it, I can do it. And mm. then he met you guys, and he's like, oh, there's other it's guys. It's not a one-off. And, 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 and with, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, I wasn't unfit, but with me taking it seriously and I don't want to say the ability to make dietary changes, but things shifting at home where I was doing things I already planned on doing anyway. Right. Even within a two month period, I've had, I've, the body remembers, right? Mm -hmm. Like my body's remembering when I was training for CAG selection and getting after it. And oh, like, muscle memory is a real thing. Right. Well, again, strength gain, shooting through the roof, body fat dropping a lot, uh, not enough like things are in the right places because right now like i'll well, roll with guys and they'll tell me what their weight is i'm like this dude's heavier than me and they're like there's no way you well, weigh that. i'll tell you what if there's anything that i'd like to communicate to the listening audience is the biggest message for anyone out there listening if you're in your 30s late 30s 40s there is this social perception that you can't be fit anymore or that Bullshit. your ability to gain muscle or to dramatically change your body's appearance is somehow gone and the problem is, is it, it's the diet yep it is the diet Absolutely. that is not allowing the hormone regulation to be there and and it causes so many problems and then you get all these people then you you mix that with bad exercise philosophy sleep habits. sleep habits work stress and everything else and those are the contributors to the unhealthy well and that's what people don't realize so so to speak on that right so really the only thing i've done aside from that bout of sickness that really just got me to the point i was at when i when i was here for that initial podcast um that was it. That was what got me there. And then asking some questions. That, so for those of you that are listening and think maybe you can't do it, I'm telling you the only thing that I've changed is my diet. My exercise levels have not changed. Uh, I haven't really done much extra other than the fact that I have a whole lot more energy and I'm carrying around mm -hmm. one less little person. Uh, and, you know, I mean, 50 pounds is a significant amount of goo yes. that I just shed. So, of course, my energy levels went up. My my food intake with the diet that I'm on that I, and, and my diet is just it's not a diet. It's not I'm not hungry. Right. You know, unless I'm doing something specific like a fast or whatever, but I'm not hungry. Right. So I'm eating. Well, I'll put it this way. I had uh, Monday my, night, my, my, my fast, my pre-fast meal is a four egg omelet, a 20 ounce London broil, uh, maybe, maybe some, some grilled squash and literally struggling to put all that away because I know I'm about to go into a 48 hour fast and it's just predominantly protein, zero carbs, zero sugars, a uh, little bit of salt and pepper, right? I'm not s terribly concerned about my sodium levels. Uh, I do watch my cholesterol uh, a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm using olive oil instead of butter or vegetable oil or peanut oil or any of that. So, but it was legit just diet. Um, just changing what I was putting in my body, putting the right, right fuel to do the right job. And you well, know, I think that's the thing that most people misunderstand. And, and I've learned that myself. And I was one of those people that didn't understand. I really did think that fitness 
equated look, right? The aesthetic. You, in order to have the aesthetics, you had to be super fit. And then what I've realized in my own journey, which has been going on for about three years now, is your diet is your aesthetic. My diet is the foundation of everything. So my and, and, and like you said, it's not a diet, right? I changed right. my relationship with it's food. a lifestyle. It's how I eat now. Right. It's not a. I don't restrict anything that you know. I'm not keeping things for myself. I just change the way that right. I eat, and that is responsible for maintaining the aesthetic. Right. I look the way that I look because of the way that I eat. Right. The fitness, the in the gym part, that is for health. Yeah. That is for my cardiovascular fitness. That is for muscle gains, other aesthetic things that I may be wanting to achieve. But I don't have to go to the gym one day to look how I look. Right. Because my diet and my nutrition is what maintains that aesthetic. Right. Well, and and, and that's if kinda, you're not doing that right, it doesn't matter how much well, effort you're putting into the gym. And that's kind of what, you know, for, for guys that were in my situation, which is a self-induced trauma, no doubt, right? Uh and women too i mean it doesn't matter anybody i mean it's changing your diet like i said the my exercise level is pretty nil uh other than just kind of doing household chores and, well, and you're farm active. chores yeah you're active out you know uh but i was doing that at 280 right. I, I mean I, the same things i'm doing now i was doing at 280 right uh you know i'm just I've got more energy, so I'll do more, but right. that's just came because I've got energy to do it. You know, I don't need to take as many breaks. I don't need, but literally the only thing I changed was my diet. And a lot of that had to do with just kind of resetting everything. And now I'm, I'm I've reached a plateau and you got to understand there's going to be ebb and flow. You know, right. you, Absolutely. you might, you, you know, don't pay attention to that number on the scale. That's not what matters. Uh, you know, you can use it as a motivator, which is what I do. But I mean, I got on there what three weeks ago. It said two twenty nine. Like I shot everybody a picture. I'm like, I finally broke two thirty. We were talking on the phone. Yeah, and then like three days later, it was two thirty four. But I realized that's hydration. That's you know maybe muscle gain. It could it could be that maybe I ate something wrong. Right. You know, I don't know. But it it doesn't matter. You just go with the ebb and flow well, of it. Well, one thing that I decided to do, in I don't get on the scale at all, right? right? So the only reason I know how much I weigh is because I, a handful of times I've been to the doctor or something like that if I was curious. Right. But I just do measurements. Right. And then I pay attention to how my clothes fit. And then I take measurements to, to track real body changes consistently over time. And I do that like every three, four months. Yeah. You know, nothing really major. Um, I usually tie that in around my time of my quarterly fast. So whenever I do my right. quarterly fast, then I'll go ahead and... Um, I'll do measurements and I'll just kind of see where I'm at, right? Because then I can track body composition. And then I usually also track body composition after the fast. So I kind of see where I'm at and what I'm getting. Right. And um, that that is a much more accurate way well, and, to, and the to goal be able is, to see that your body is physically changing. The, the, the goals that you have and that I have currently are the same but different. You know, mine right now is, I mean... I'll, I'll put it like this. I'm wearing a belt right now because I'm just one of them guys that feels like if you're wearing pants, you should have a belt on, whether your pants fit or they don't. Right. Uh, but I'm wearing a belt right now that I haven't worn in a year and a half. That's awesome. Uh, because it was too small. And the, the shorts that I'm wearing, because I haven't bothered, I'm not going to rework my wardrobe until I'm done. Because that's stupid. I'm going to buy a bunch of extra clothes. So I'm still wearing these big baggy clothes. But the shorts that I'm wearing right now, two months ago, I didn't need a belt. Now if I don't put them on, everybody gets to see my bits and pieces. 
<laughs> right? Like something has to hold my pants up or I'm not wearing any pants. So, I mean, and these are, these are a 42. So I would imagine I'm probably back and I'm, I'm just a little bit more than what my retirement weight was. Uh, but I imagine I'm probably back in a 38. See, uh, that's, that's one of the things you mentioned clothing that, uh, that I've been doing. I've been putting a fund together mm. that when I get to my goal weight, I'm going to go out and buy a whole new wardrobe. And I'm going to celebrate that, right? right? Like, you know, I made it. Right. And that's going to be my new standard. Well, see, and, and my thing is I don't even have a goal weight. It's really not. It's like I monitor what it's at because I'm part I have of, a, part of it's I don't have fear. a goal weight. I have a goal look. Physique, right. A physique right. that I'm going for. Mine, mine is it's a fear. I, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, like I'm just afraid of getting on that scale and all of a sudden it says 270 again just and so it's like i have to check yeah but at the same time that number and you know when and we discussed this you know it's the number doesn't mean shit to me and i told you i was like i don't care if i'm as big as as eddie hall right i don't care as long as i'm fit and healthy and strong cool yeah i'll be 400 pounds and and a monster yeah that was that was a big thing that changed for me was like my philosophy behind it and you know i I did fitness my whole life right and you know from the time i was in high school and sports all the way through the military and in martial arts you know done done that for 20 years right? right so fitness was always there um but what i started changing was is i was always training for peak performance or i was training for some type of like sport related performance and then uh a few three years ago when i made the major life transformation that i made i changed my focus to just wanting to be healthy right i just wanted to be healthy long-term healthy and and a lot of that inspiration came from when i went to ron smith's muay thai gym because at the time that I got to Ron's, I was in my late 20s. And at, and at that time, most of the members of the gym were in their 60s. Right Now these guys are 65, 70s, mm. and they're still training. Right. And for the audience that doesn't know what Muay Thai is, this is not an easy sport to even train. The, training Muay Thai is hard. And there's impact, and there's a lot of things associated. And to be able to do that in 70, 75 years old, like some of these guys are doing is inspirational and i realized like i have to change the way that i'm looking at my longevity when you know because that's where i was at too i was you 38 39 getting ready to turn that big four zero and it was like am i really done like have i really met have i passed my peak like is the now all of a sudden it's all downhill from here and i just got to kind of accept this and then i'm over here and i'm watching these guys that are 70 years old and at that time i was playing tennis too and um and so where i was at in uh uh farmington missouri they have a group of gentlemen there that are all in their 60s and 70s but they're ex-college level players you know and um they would just whip my ass on a tennis court, okay, 70 years old or not. Right. And there was nothing I could do about it. And, you know, here I am at 38. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so this can't be the end of the road, right? right? And that made me change my focus. And so people laugh at me now when I say, no, I want to be hiking like I do now when I'm 80 and 90. Right. I don't think that's unrealistic. No. And when I changed my focus to just becoming healthy and I stopped worrying about – how much can I bench press? How fast can I run? How high can I jump? You know, can I hit harder tomorrow? Whatever. And I just started saying, well, can, can I tie my shoes? Because that's right. where I was at. Right. I was 215, 220 pounds. And the act of bending over to tie my shoes in the morning, I started wearing shoes that didn't require tying right. because it was just easier to slip shoes on than it was to tie them. Right. 
And then you got to ask yourself, if I can't do that at 40, what is that going to look right. like when I'm 60 and 70? Right. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be crippled. Well, right. and I think, <clears throat> same the other way, because like right now, I'm very concerned with performance metrics. But you're training for competition. I, That's a different thing. I am. You have but, a purpose. Right, but. I don't. The. <laughs> the Are you feeling all right? Do you, well, you know. <laughs> no, but. Purpose. I smoke weed, sir. No, but it's the. I run a podcast. Purpose. Even I got if, something. Out even here. if that goes away, the, the performance metrics don't. Like they matter for the competition, but they don't change. It's just changes I'd been slowly making over time anyway that I just more aggressively made. Well, I agree that and the aesthetics. I agree that the pursuit of performance metrics don't change, but the type of performance metrics that I've set for myself now are different. Right. Well, like the other day, like because you know Elliot, you know, shout out him and a bunch of our Tenth uh, Planet peeps are going out to compete tomorrow at a sub only competition, but. Thursday, instead of our normal metabolic conditioning workout, we did, and Joe jumped in, we did like 25 minutes of mobility, yoga, a lot of it was yoga based, you know, um, some of it was movement prep from the army stuff, but um, to be able to still hit that. Because people look at, will look at me sometimes and go, how is he doing that? And then you look at, like, the professor, some of the ways he can bend. Like, I'm pretty right. flexible, and I'm like, dude, I don't know yeah, how you're doing that. You guys that. should the biggest, call him professor. Hey, you need to call him pretzel. The biggest inspiration for me was my wife and her flexibility. Like, you know, she does this one thing. It's the most impressive thing to me that I see her do on a regular basis is she can have dishes and stuff in her hands, and she can climb onto the counter, stand up on the counter, do whatever she is doing, turn around with something else in her hand, squat down, sit her butt on the counter, and slide off like it's no big deal. And I'm watching her do this, and I think the human body is supposed to be able to move this way. And there's no way that I could make my body move that way. Yep. And that's a problem. Right. And that's inspirational to me because it's like, those are my goals now. Like, right. I want to be able to do that. Right. That, to me, is the most impressive thing that I've seen in a long time. Well, and it begs the question, where does she get the drive to be able to do that? Who's she looking at? Because that was her. She was a big part of changing my focus. Right. When, when, when I met her, she was so healthy that living up to her fitness level was unattainable right. at that time. And, you know, one of her biggest concerns of, of having me as a partner was like, look, I'm going to be doing this type of things all the time and right. you're going to need to be doing them with me or we're not going to be together. Right. And I plan on being doing this when I'm 70, 80 years old and right. you need to be doing this with me. Like I want somebody who's committed to that. Right. And so that completely changed my focus to where it was like, okay, she's right. I want to be doing well, this when I'm 70, 80 years old I think, too. I think the, the question I'm asking though is, so I'm looking at you guys, right? And like you said, you're looking at, your wife and you know sarge is looking at well competitive fighting and fighters that he wants to just annihilate right and various other different things right who's who's she drawing from right do you know what i mean i think the I, I don't know the answer to that. I think that has to do a lot with He's culture. Like, Good question. Well, I think that it, truthfully i think it has to do with culture and upbringing being well, sure. raised in canada gave her a different view on healthcare. It right. gave her a different view on nutrition. It gave her a different view on 
outdoor activity and fitness. Living right. in the Vancouver area, there's a lot of water activities. There's hiking, mountain climbing. Well, it's more you know, European. It's more European yeah. style. Sure, sure, style sure. Life. And then when she has lived in the United States, she's lived in areas like Colorado Springs and places like that that are typically more European style living anyway, right? right? And so I just think that it's a beautiful combination of just the right place, right time, right. where she had these influences that were counter to what we've been indoctrinated with as a Western culture. Right. And so she just, that's her inspiration because that's all she's ever known. Because yeah. to her, these things aren't normal. abnormal. It's normal. It's yeah. very normal. Like, right. this is just the way she's always ate. This right. is just the way she's always done things. This is just the way that she's always approached health and holistic care. And right. well, that was just the way it was. If you look at even... So I, I heard... A, I was listening to a guy on a podcast. This had to be, shoot, probably seven years ago now. Maybe ten. Eh, ten years ago, probably. I talked about a guy who was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And he was Italian. Uh, living, I think, in New York. And he said, you know, doctors were giving him all this advice, wanted to get on treatments, everything else. And he ended up moving back to Italy on the coast where his family was from. And all he was doing was he was just outside eating the local diet in the garden, having a glass of wine every night. The guy lived another seven years, no treatment. Like, for a while they kept having to check because his numbers dropped everything else stage four cancer he didn't have any of the chemicals anything else he just changed his diet and like activity level being outside and lived another seven years and i was like wow man that's well you know that's impressive i'll mention this and i don't want to get into this on this podcast because i do plan on having this as a topic on a future podcast but we modern science has the most beautiful data on the power of the human mind and the placebo effect and since we're talking about cancer oh, yeah sure. right yeah. think about that the people that go into the placebo group that believe that they are getting medicine that is going to heal them typically have the same level of heal rate that they do with the therapy treatment option or better right and then what do we do we completely discard that science because we don't consider that material right Doesn't but make the reality money. is is those people's minds the power of their mind healed them, right? Uh, they believed that what they were taking was doing that. They're the power of belief. Right. And that should be something that, you know, you need to really think about. And then there's a lot of stories and a lot of data on that. And like I said, that's something that we well, can that's get into another Well, that's manifestation stuff, too. Yeah, that, that is a completely other topic, right. right? But the fact is, the fact of the matter is, all right, sir, you have a good one. We're saying goodbye yeah. to Sarge. I'll see you guys. Got to get the little girl. See you at the house, brother. All right, but, uh, you know, when you are pursuing anything, whether it be health, whether it be fitness, your mindset and your intention behind that activity is going to determine a lot of your results. Right. Well, and for me, a lot of it's been, I mean, of course, there's the motivation factor. I mean, I hit you up when the podcast gets posted late, like, bro, I need my fix, you know, <laughs> right? Because just, just hearing you guys talk about it gives me that motivation. But I will say, you know, since I've started on this, like the goal is ever shifting, right? It, it's like, there's no end state in mind, but it's like, okay, this is what I want to try mm -hmm. to accomplish. Now I want to try. And then once well, I reach it, I want to accomplish. I this. think the goal is always going to be ever shifting. You know, in my mind, right. I think if, if I could communicate anything for you, and I think I, I talked to you a little bit about it uh, before it's 
the perception in my mind when I started my my journey is you know everybody has this vision in their mind of what they're going to look like or what they're going right. to feel like or what the reality of it is right and the realities that came out of the changes that I have experienced have been so dramatically different than anything that I thought it was going to be right that and then so your goals do change right. you 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 form new realities well, you know i when we talked about that so i i had that that vision of like okay this is what i want this to be at the end and when you explain that i just discarded it like i just removed it from the mental rolodex it's like right. no let's just ride the train well that was the biggest thing for me i thought when i you know i walked around above 200 pounds on the regular i was about 205 pounds and then uh, I would fluctuate between 205 and 225, 230 at my absolute heaviest. You know, 230 would be my fat weight, right? right. And at that point, uh, I was wearing like a uh, size 38 or 40 pant, right. right? And then I would get down to my low weight, which would be about 200 pounds. And then I would be in about a 36 pant, right? right? And then I would that would be like my thin weight. And so I really thought that when I lost my weight, that I would be about 190, 195 pounds, and that that would be my my physique, right? right. And what I realized was, you know, I walk around now, and I, and people would ask me, well, I think you're going to be lighter than that. I would get offended because I was like, well, I don't want to be small. Right. 160, 170 pound guy, that's small. I don't want to be a small person. Right. And so I was like, no, I don't want to be less than 190 pounds. And then now you look at me now, last time I was on a scale, I was around 170 pounds. Right. Okay. But I look, if I was to go back to that first image of what I thought I would look like at 195 pounds, right. I look way bigger now. Right. Way bigger now than I thought I was going to look at 195. And so what that done for me is it went, one, it was so worrying about being 170 pounds is ridiculous. Right. right? Because that hasn't impacted my life. In fact, all it's done is made me faster. It makes things easier to do. Sure. You know, doing things like pull-ups are just easier when you just weigh less, right? right? You don't have to get stronger, just lose the weight. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it's like if I could do 10 pull-ups at, at, at 190 pounds, then, you know, I could do 20 at 170. Right. It's, it's not a matter of getting stronger. It's just easier, you right. know? And so, but... What it's also done for me is it made me realize that, holy shit, like, let's say I still make that my goal now. And now my goal is like, I do want to be 190, 195 pounds, but now I have a realization of what that's going to look like. Right. 195 pounds on my frame. That's a big dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. And, and that makes me want to meet Joe Rogan because yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan is my height and he walks around about 195. Right. And I would like to see what I look like next, next to, to him. him. Yeah. You know, what is the real, why, where's that extra 20 pounds of muscle? Right. You know? And so that to me is like, I have those kind of interests now. But I, but I also, because of the transformation process, I have a clear picture of one, how to get there. I know what I need to do to get there if that is my end goal. Right. And two, I have a realistic idea of what the process is going to be like, where the plateaus are going to be, where I'm going to have to work a little harder, where I'm going to have to just relax, right. you know? And those things are just going to be, like you said, ebbs and flows over time, right. you know? Your your nutrition philosophy is going to change. You're going to you're going to change diets. You're going to try different exercise routines. You're going to uh, put this thing in your diet and eliminate it from your diet right. and put this back in and eliminate that. And you're going to have a constant ebb and flow yeah. of everything 
health related. Well, and I think I think that's where most people I know certainly I did just get hung up, especially, you know, when you talk about the uh, societal idea behind dieting right like your diet is just what you eat it doesn't matter if you smash a box of Krispy Kreme that's your diet yeah why is the only <laughs> acceptable version of nutrition a completely unrestricted diet what that doesn't right. make any damn sense unless you think about it from a company standpoint right if I was selling you an unlimited diet then that would be better for me right well but for people that are trapped in that right it's you know you mentioned the word diet and it's like diet's a bad word and it shouldn't be because it's not right it's whatever you put in your body is your diet that's a diet right it's just whether or not it's quality or quantity like i said you i mean i could get the same well (laughs) i'd probably blow calories out of the water smashing a box of krispy kreme and then two hours later hungry again because right. there's nothing you get there the insulin spike then you get right. the crash and then you get the hunger right. and fuck it's all a cycle right and so then i want more of whatever it was especially sugar because it's mm. like a drug and you know it was it was pretty difficult in the beginning to just go okay i'm gonna cut out all sugars um and then you start reading things it's like jesus everything's got sugar yeah, well what you don't realize is i used to think and i used to tell people well, i'm addicted to food i have this addiction to food yeah. right no you're not you're addicted to sugar yeah. And then when you realize that sugar is more addictive than heroin. Yeah. Right? And it's and, in everything. And it's in fucking everything. And then when you realize that no, well, and this is arguable again, and, and, and for the a disclaimer out there for the Stone Dapes audience, anytime we talk about something nutrition related or health related, it's, it's recognized that there are so many different arguments here that could be made. So the particular research or something that we call upon is a personal belief and but what we choose to believe based on the research and things that we've done right so it's a founded belief rather so i personally don't believe that you should have more than 25 grams of sugar a day right i think that that is the excessive amount of sugar and go try to find most products have less than 25 grams of sugar in it just one product right a lot alone uh, you know, then you say, well, I'm going to go zero sugar. Okay, well, you're still putting an artificial sweetener in your body at mass quantities, right? Because you don't know how many grams of that's in there. Right. There could be 100 grams of artificial sweetener in there. Yep. And they, and even the science has proven that your body still has a insulin response to that, right? It doesn't understand. It just knows sweet is happening. Right. And so you have this entire population addicted to sugar, and then they get hungry, and it's the sugar addiction. They're having a craving for sugar. Right. It's not hunger pains. Right. Hunger doesn't feel anything like that. Right. And then they don't. And so, once you break your sugar addiction, well, it's easy to get a relationship right. with food. And it was in literally because, less than a week. Yeah, like it doesn't it, take long, it, but it, it's it was, terrible. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, and so <laughs> maybe like, one of the hardest things like, I've ever done. Like, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like Woo. I said earlier, you know, like I grow. I mean, I grow figs, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, Jesus, uh, peaches, pears. What? Jeez, I don't even know. Like, if, if it's a fruit, I probably grow it. Right? Watermelon, right. I, apples, crab apple. I mean, I have them all. Right? Uh, and. Uh, I mean, that stuff's sitting on the counter. And yeah, here I come and say, don't eat sugar (laughs) ever. And so I walk by, I mean, so my wife literally picks a pound of strawberries a day from my yard that I grow. There's no pesticides. There's no no herbs, nothing, Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing on them. It's 
like I don't even put fertilizer on. They just they're they're growing in the ground. It's what the ground produces. That's it. Uh, and for me, that's like, well, you know, you look at that, right? And the average U.S. citizen, right? You look at it and it's like, well, that's a healthy snack. Yeah. Right. But right, that's when, what you're told. when you commit to cutting out sugar, even though technically those are, I guess you could call them simple or healthy sugars, mm-hmm. right? If you cut all of it, I'm, I'm t- I mean, I don't know any other way than people would just have to see a before and after. Like I sent you guys that before and after picture. And it's like, that's the same shirt and I'm swimming in sugar. The sugar issue is monumental, right? And ridiculous. The addiction to sugar and, and how it plays into your diet. And I think that what people fail to realize, and at least what I've put together from my own nutrition journey is these healthy foods even though they are healthy, they're healthy in moderation. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying you can't eat strawberries. Right. That's ridiculous. Strawberries are good for you. It right. grows from the earth. It's something that we should eat when right. they're in season. Right. And at the appropriate time and appropriate amounts. Well, and, and you and that's where people misunderstand. Like, well, like you said, you could I ate healthy before as well. Mm-hmm. Right. If you look at the the food that I was consuming uh it, well at least by western culture standards of what healthy is right right i was trying to eat healthy right what i but even if you're eating healthy and you're eating this mass quantity if i'm eating right. five thousand calories of healthy food every day right well i'm not going to get the benefit of that right that's still overeating right and then i'm still going to gain weight and my body is still going to respond poorly right. and all of the other things attributed with that well and then you mix into that already overeating cycle the little things that we like to call snacks, right, right, or desserts, right. or the the shit that's actually really bad for you, right, 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 and then <laughs> and then you it's on top of what that already overeating thing, right, and it, man, it's, well, it's and hard to get people so, to understand that. And for me, like, and again, I grow like I grow grapes, right? like it just it just occurred to me, right, like I grow all of these fruits, and so. There's going to be a day where I partake. Absolutely. It's, it's going to happen. But for me now, and you know, and, and you told me the same thing, you know, less than 25 grams of sugar, and I think it was 50 grams of carbs, right? Uh, but what I did is, is you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I go full stupid when, <laughs> when I'm given. All in. Uh, yeah. Like yeah, it's both feet all or none. in. Yeah. Right? Sunglasses are on top of my head. My arms are crossed and I'm standing up from the table. Right. Like right. It's this is the World Series. Right. Because I got one shot at this. That's all yeah. I got. This is going to end someday. Uh, so I got one shot. And so I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I'm trying to get somewhere as quickly as I can, but not artificially. Right. Uh, meaning I'm not going to go lose 25 pounds so I can prove to some doctor to staple my stomach right. or whatever. I'm mean, that's to me, that's horrible. Right. I agree. Um, you know, do people feel better afterwards? Maybe, but do they change their habits? Probably not. Right. And so they'll rebound and they'll be right back where they were. And then they just spent their mortgage, you know, several mm-hmm. times over. Right. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to look for things that contain massive amounts of protein, foods, and as little carbs and sugars as I can possibly get with the things that I can't produce. And I, so I can't grow 
per se rabbit and deer and right. chickens, right? Like I can, but it's there's there's a process with that, right? So I still have to shop, right? Although I'm I'm trying to get where I don't have to. Like right. that's just a goal. Uh, I like the band fish more than I like eating fish, right? So you know, uh, so there's certain there's certain things, but I just said okay. If that's the thing is to stay under this, well, that's easy enough, right? But I also know me, right? So if it's five grapes per se or, or you know, five strawberries puts me over that sugar intake, I'm not going to eat five strawberries. Right. I'm going to eat 50. Fair. Right? So if I just remove it entirely then I don't have to worry about it. And so that's what I did. So, it, and it was, it was a struggle. Oh my gosh, it was a struggle. Right. I mean, I'd walk past, you know, as soon as I walk in, you know, here's the sink and here's a section of the countertop where my wife puts everything that she's pulled from the garden that morning. Uh, and then there's the coffee pot, which mm-hmm. is, that's my baby. Right. Right. Like that, somebody breaks it and we have a problem. Like I will go third world. Like I'm, I'm, it's scorched earth time. Right. But anyway, this, temptation is sitting there and for the first week week and a half it was just like one's not going to hurt but it's it, it's legit a, an addiction it really mm-hmm. is and i and i know me so i know if i if i eat one i'm gonna eat another one because two's not gonna hurt three's not gonna hurt and pretty soon it's 30's not gonna hurt Right, And I've just undone all the work that I've done. So until I've gotten to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm kind of happy with the way I look. I'm happy with the way I feel. Uh, My wife's happy with the way I look and the way I feel. I mean, she'll lie to me because she's my wife, right? Oh, no, I love the way you look. Yeah, whatever. Bullshit, right? (laughs) Bullshit. I see me naked too, right? (laughs) So, but until I've gotten to that point, and here's, here's what's crazy, right? For anybody who's doubting anything that I'm saying, just try it. What do you got to lose, right? Right. But now I look at things like that. You know, to get to the produce section in Walmart for the things that I'm not growing. And I use Walmart because that's where everybody goes, right? Right. I mean, I could say Piggly Wiggly, but everybody would be like, really? What's that, right? Uh, potentially, I don't know what grocery stores y'all have here. But to get to that, anybody's been in a Walmart, you know you're walking through the cookies and cakes, you know you're walking through the Easter candy or the bullshit candy that's on sale for whatever stupid-ass holiday we have going on right now. You have to walk past all that stuff. And what's happened for me is I walk past it and I'm like, that shit looks absolutely abhorrent. Like, if I could think of a better word to describe disgusting, it wouldn't fit. It would right. not. It looks absolutely. It doesn't smell good. I haven't tasted it, so I couldn't tell you, but it, I mean, I did taste it once before, but I don't know if that's changed now. Uh, but it doesn't smell good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't even seem appealing to me. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's just weird. It was a complete change. Well, I think, what, one, I want to commend you for safeguards against self-recognition, and that's important because I think that a lot of people don't do that enough, right? They don't recognize that, hey... I have a problem here. And for me, yeah, this other person may not need to do this. But for me, I need to do that. And props on that because 
that's a really important part of self-growth. It's also a really important part of like trying to become more successful at anything that you're doing. Well, I mean, right? remember, a year and be... a half ago, I was in a position with alcohol. Well, well you know, I was. The... It, it, it's it's just one of them. It's like you know what? Recognize your flaws and your faults, and the only motherfucker that can do something about it is you, motherfucker. Exactly. Right. The only person that can hold you really accountable is the guy looking at you in the mirror, and exactly. that's the guy I see. And right. and so. If I can't recognize what's going, nobody else can tell me, don't do that. They can tell me, I, I still have free will and a choice to choose right? Uh, or a choice to make. So I can, I can bullshit myself and, and say, oh, you'll be all right. This won't hurt you. This won't kill you. Well, I had quit smoking for over a year. And then Sarge and I go on vacation. He's like, hey, man, let's sit out on the balcony of this condo and smoke a cigar. And I was like, yeah. I could smoke a cigar and be just fine. And from that minute, I spent the next year put, putting away four or five cigars a day. And you're talking about a guy who smoked cigarettes for 35 years. I inhale. Like, it's, right. I'm not Bill Clinton, right? Like, I'm taking it to the head. And so that's what's happening with cigars. So I ended up going right back to where I was at, doing the exact same thing I was doing. And then here just recently quit smoking again because I have an issue. So now, right. you know, my wife got me these little vape deals or whatever, and it kind of helps. They're gross. They taste like they taste like sugar. Uh, but I don't like them, and I feel like I look a certain type of way, right? So <laughs> The stigma. Right. So, you know, I'm not a millennial, you know, but, but I feel like this is something I'll be able to put down fairly easily. Right. You know, um, but, you know, recognizing your own faults and flaws and then saying, I want to change. Like, it's kind of like you guys say about jujitsu, right? Like, the hardest part is showing up. Right. Right. And so for this whole week, right, I've been there and, and the professor and Sarge been like, hey, get out here on the mats. Get out here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to watch. You know, I've got some injuries that are life altering type injuries. Right. That right. I carry around. Uh, and so, you know, the other day I got out there, they just did some stretching and it was after I'd come over here and you'd shown me some things and I needed to stretch. Right. Because it was like, oh, OK. Right. There's some things that got fired up that ain't been fired up in a minute. And uh, so I stretched with him, and then today got out there and, and participated in the class. Right? Awesome. And and it was like, you know what? I think this is something. Now, I I did go to your Muay Thai class the other night, and yeah. I started watching this like ten year old kill his sister and i'm like yeah bro if he kicks me like i'm gonna have to fight him his <laughs> sister his mom his dad like he kicked those pads so hard look i'm here to tell you folks i've got ptsd i don't do well with bangs and smacks and all that stuff that i'm not in control of and that kid kicked them pads so hard i made my way to the door i was like nope not not a place for me to be it was worse than fireworks it was yeah. horrible right but uh but i saw it and i said yeah that's that's not something I'm not going to hold pads on my on my arm and let people kick me. I can't do it. Right. It, it's too scary. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying, you know, I recognize that that fear exists and that I could probably overcome it. But I'm just not there. Right. Right. Um, but uh, and even today, you know, getting in, getting on the mats and rolling with them guys. Right. That, that fear was there and I expressed it, you know. Uh, and they put me in the hucklebuck a couple of times and then showed me, I mean, I don't know what y'all got weird names for shit, but you know, the butterfly Lotus 
kiss butthole thing. I don't know. Hey, look. Right? <laughs> I don't. I am definitely not educated in the, right. in the, verbiage, the verbiage of jujitsu. <laughs> that is a whole other dialect that you have to learn. Mm. I, I don't. Um, that, that's considerable language there. Right. Yeah, they come in. They'll, they'll put together flows, and they'll name all the drills. Yeah. And they're like, you're going to go from here to here to here to this to that. Right. And, and then, then they expect you just to know. Yeah. And I'm like, nah. yeah. Yeah, no. okay, show me, please. Right. I have no clue what yeah. you're talking about. Right. Yeah. You know, Muay Thai's got like five moves. <laughs> you know punch, kick, and yeah, punch, yeah, kick Exactly. Again. I mean, there's like only eight things to worry about, right. seriously. And, you know, Jiu-Jitsu's got like a thousand moves, right. like, honestly. I mean, and now, it's, I, I will it's unbelievable. Say, I will say um, from, from the outside looking in, Muay Thai looks way more dangerous. Uh, it just, I mean, I'm, I, I realize they're both dangerous, uh, but the, the look, like I'm telling you, I, I'm watching this kid kick the crap out of his sister, right? And the look on his face, it, like that's not his sister, <laughs> right? And then she's kicking the crap out of him, and that's not her brother. Like I, it was insane. I like think the, the demeanor and attitude that just washed even you watching you coach him and i'm like jesus that's not the same dude that i'm friends with because that guy's a monster he's a murderer right <laughs> like like he should be on signs of a psychopath or something you know what i mean like that face that everybody just wore when it was time to drill it was like that's some intimidating shit for real just the look well it it takes a certain type of person to do muay thai and and after doing it for twenty years, sure, it's I it does. There's a certain type of person that gravitates to that sport, right? It's not an easy sport, but as far as effectiveness is concerned, jujitsu ju, ju, is a self defense. Mm -hmm. Like if you were to only learn one thing, right. learn jujitsu right. because that what you know everybody always talks about. You know, we look at old school karate and they say, well, you know, they're going to teach you the death touch or whatever right. and all this stuff, right? <laughs> right. Well, jujitsu. Every time you choke somebody, yeah, that's a death move. Like you're going away for good, and so that art and and the impossibility of being able to get somebody who is skilled at jujitsu to be able to keep them from taking you to the ground like when you don't want them to is takes years and years and years and years of training okay right. it is very difficult and so even if you're a, a an extremely trained striker uh, you you have a moment in time to win that fight right. and once you pass that moment which is only going to be a brief second right you are at the will of that jiu-jitsu practitioner and if you don't know jiu-jitsu you're you're dead yeah. it's over you're yeah. you're not going to you're not going to get the chance to fight again right where Muay Thai, I believe, is effective is if you are already that skilled practitioner on the ground. Right. You don't care if the fight goes to the ground. Right. Then you want to learn to throw. Right. Well, now that becomes a completely different thing because now if we have two equals, now my ability to strike is a completely different story. Right. And if I can keep that fight standing, you know, the one thing that I like about Muay Thai and and I tell people, you know, the premises is, is to me, it's it's power, right? Once you learn how to get knockout power in whatever you throw, whether it be a punch, a kick, a knee, an elbow, if I have the ability to touch you and put you to sleep, right? My ability to win the fight never goes away, right? At any moment in time, no matter how dangerous you are, if I touch you, the fight could be over, right? And you know that, and if you know that. 
you're going to change how you do things. Yeah. You know, you're going to approach with more caution. And then that puts you in more danger. Right. And so, you know, is Muay Thai effective? Absolutely. But in my personal belief, I don't think it's effective as a self-defense unless you have the competency on the ground, unless you have the competency in that ground art first. And because that is where the fight is going to ultimately end up. Right. And the great thing about jujitsu is you learn jujitsu so much faster than you can striking art because your ability to drill nearly a hundred percent with your opponent over and over and over again, like even these competitions, you know, you can go to jujitsu competitions way more than you can go to sparring matches. Right. Right. So it takes all, it takes two, three, four times longer to become a good striker than it does to become a good grappler. And that's why what you see in mixed martial arts is you see so many of these people that just kind of shy away from striking because they don't like they don't want to get into the time of it right because to get good it's you know there's very micro millisecond changes of things as you progress from good to great right right and that takes a lifetime and a lot of people don't want to be stuck in that constant push you know and then when you combine that with the fact that it's hard and it is intimidating you know it it is hard to to get people to like come in the door and like hey try Muay Thai (laughs) (laughs) well here's the thing I mean you know if I didn't if I didn't have the injuries that I had there legitimately would have been no issue um I would have been like okay yeah whatever I mean I can take a hit you know, right. I mean, I got hit by a mortar. I can take a hit. Right? Uh, it's the fact that I did get hit by a mortar that I don't want to take anymore. You know what I mean? Um, so it wasn't, but but legitimately, like it it's it was kind of scary. Just and not scary to a point like, oh my god, there's no way, right? It was it was scary. Like these are not humans, right? Like just, I mean, just five minutes ago talking to you and you're like hey man what's going on uh, yeah right and everything's gravy and then all of a sudden it's like okay game face and it was like that's not that's a different person right like just every and it was everybody in the class like you're looking at them and they're looking kind of confused working a move and then all of a sudden it's it's time to okay now we're going and it's just oh it, it it's like a second face comes around and it's this intensity that well, existed from the brow line the jaw line everything it was just like it's this a, is serious shit here. So, honestly, this is a philosophy that I teach to my students. Um, your ring presence matters. Sure. When me and you are going to engage into a fight, from the second I enter that ring, I'm taking on a persona. I'm taking right. on a presence You for you. Right. right? Yeah. And from the time the bell rings from the second I look at you to the first time we make eye contact, every move that I make, every punch and combination that I throw, there's a, there's a psychological battle happening. Right. Right. So the physical battle and then the psychological. Right. And I do spend a lot of time preparing my students for the mindset of what is Muay Thai. Right. Because in my the way that I have been trained, and again, this is individuals, sure. right? So somebody that does Muay Thai just as good as me could have a completely different philosophy. That's ind- individual things. No, right. no worries there. Um, but for me, when I go into 
a fight, and and that's why I try to tell my people there is a difference between sparring in a ring or fighting in a ring and fighting in real life, right? Right. And so we have self-defense classes sometimes where it doesn't change the style, but it does change the um, the philosophy of the fight, right? right. And, and how it's going to go down. And and I tell people in in that space, I don't view myself as an artist anymore. Right. I view myself as a destroyer. Right. I'm going to walk through my opponent and I'm going to use the tools to stop that person right i'm not going to be out there throwing jabs and shadowing back and playing the kick game and doing this and setting up this and setting up that right i'm going to look at my opponent and i'm going to go through them right and that i think is the face that you see oh yeah i mean and, and you know third party outs like you know and I've, I've listened to every single one of these podcasts at least two to three times right uh, at a minimum, for sure. Except mine. Like, I like mine. It's probably my favorite. But <laughs> I know what I said. Self-love is important. Yeah, right. Well, you know, but I, I know me. I know my story. So it gets kind of boring. Um, but, you know, you guys talk a lot about it. And I never, like, I've never, I've never went to a, any martial arts gym. Ever. Ever. In my life. Right. And so, you know, hearing you guys talk about it, it's like, yeah, you know, they're really into it, whatever, you know, it's cool, it's their thing, right? It's kind of, but having sat in the gym most of the week, right? Somewhat participating, mostly kind of taking mental notes of what's happening. Uh, and of course, I only saw Muay Thai that night. I, I think I'm saying it right, right? It's a big word like mayonnaise. <laughs> um, Nailing it. <laughs> but, uh, so you, you you see the intensity at which you guys train, right? And it's it's insane, the amount of intensity. But the biggest difference that I noticed between the two outside of standing versus you're on the ground, right? Um, Jiu-jitsu doesn't look, I'm talking about practitioners, like they, they're just regular folks. They don't look intimidating. It's I mean, you're just somebody you'd see at the store. Right. Just walking around. Um, and even when they're engaged, it's like, yeah, I'm going to put you into a pretzel. Right. However, in Muay Thai, it's like, oh, yeah, everything's kosher. What'd you say to me? And the whole thing changes. And it's like, that's yeah. So for me, it's kind of like if, if I'm at a place and I piss somebody <laughs> off and I see that face, like if I see it could be a jujitsu guy. I don't know this person from Adam. Right. He's a jiu-jitsu guy. He's running his mouth, whatever, and I buck up because I'm retarded, right? And I don't mean to offend anybody. It's a word. Get over it, right? <laughs> right? I don't think that anybody's coming to this podcast for PC at this point. <laughs> but, and it's, like, this jiu-jitsu guy is going to murder me. There's no doubt about it. But he's not going to put on a different face, right? Some will. Maybe, right? But from my... I've seen some my, pretty scary jujitsu guys well, in my day. But from my limited experience, he's just going to go, okay, big guy, come on, and smile at me. The Muay Thai guy is going to pick his two arms up. I'm going to see that face, and I'm going to go, hey, bro, I was just kidding. Right? <laughs> just jokes, man. Just jokes. You go ahead and do you, man. <laughs> it's insane. Fair. And the only thing I can say, you know, and, and Sarge has been telling me, he's like, bro, you just got to go. You just got to go and you'll see. Right. And when I saw that, I was like, 
that in and of itself, it's it's it's. I guess I could kind of compare it to that guy that you see with a gun on his hip for folks that don't really run guns or understand guns or know much about them. But automatically, you're like, that guy's got a gun. Everybody does it. Even if you're familiar with guns, you're like, that guy's got a gun, right? Especially if right. he's open carrying, right? Um, and so it changes your kind of mental dynamic of what's going on, right? Uh, you don't get to see that with, you know folks that do martial arts they're just who they are but i'm telling you it's it when that when that muay thai face comes on it's kind of like that guy's got a gun it's kind of <laughs> the same feeling when you see that face like holy shit right like this dude's serious right um with the jujitsu guys it's a little bit different because what you see and you know and, and i'm not going to use anybody's names but there's there's a girl at the gym and i think you know which one i'm talking about uh, the, the blonde one uh, Sarge yeah, I likes may, to I, roll with her. Yeah, right? I may know who you're talking All about. Right. So, uh, well, I mean, and she's scrappy. Like, she's everywhere. Yeah. And always has a smile on her face. Like, if she's getting rolled up or oh, if she's I, rolling somebody. I think I know who you're. Yeah, she's the happiest person ever. Yeah, murdering and everybody. Just, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, and I'm thinking to myself, here I am in the Walmart parking That's, lot, right? Just Going off on some dude who's just being an ass to his woman, and then he just smiles at me with that big shit-eating grin and turns me into a 10-day-old pretzel. You know what right. I mean? And it's just like, yeah, it's two different things. If dude bucked up, I'd be like, go ahead and be mad at your lady. I'm, I'm cool with it. Right? If he was just Muay tied up on me with that, with that, I mean, it's insane. That, that look, it was just like, this is some crazy shit. But then the jiu-jitsu cool. is like the complete opposite spectrum. It's well, like, the yeah, ju jiu-jitsu is known as like a gentle art. And and that's what it's got the reputation well, I for. Well, haven't been and wrapped up today. I don't, there's nothing gentle about it. That, that's what I love <laughs> about 10th Planet is the, the culture and the camaraderie and the fact that everybody is. For they're sure. so relaxed, you know. Uh, Muay Thai, the, the presence of Muay Thai, I think it changes too because the the environment with your training partner changes right there is there is something about being physically hit in, especially to the face mm. that is a very challenging thing to get over right. no, and, and i the only thing i can relate it to with jujitsu is that claustrophobic feeling of yeah. maybe being trapped yep. right especially yep. by a larger opponent right um that yeah, experience that today yeah, yeah yeah you have to work through that right and but in muay thai that there's everybody that you train with at some point in time is going to hit you right they're going to punch you they're going to kick you they're going to hurt you whether you like it or not right and so i think there is a seriousness to that right you know um like the other night i was working with a new guy and we was one of the first times he was on pads, you know, and he missed the pad and hit me in the face, you know, <laughs> and he was like, Oh my, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I was like, man, I get hit in the face all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, you know, it's, if I, if I wouldn't have been doing this all these years, if I'm minding getting punched in the face, right. like at some point you just kind of, you get past that. Right? right. But it takes a certain type of person to do that. And even he said that in that moment, he realized he was like, Oh, I haven't been hit in the face yet. I don't know if this is for me. Right. And that was his takeaway. He was just like, oh, you're right. There's this thing that I'm going to have to get past right. here that no matter how much I enjoy this activity, if I can't get past this thing, right. that's going to be the deal breaker. Right. And that is the deal breaker that you see. And I think that that's why you also see a um, you see a type. Right. And, right. But with that, too, I think culture. Right. You're you're going to see a type in my gym that's going to be more like me. 
And then sure. you're going to see a type in another gym that's going to be more like their coach or yeah, whoever's sure. running. Well, they're going to replicate whatever they're being taught by whomever they're being taught. So in my experience, though, most Muay Thai practitioners, you know, that's where I built the culture from was from Ron's and all the people that I've seen through the years there. And, and so it's a pretty standard person. Right. That comes through and does Muay Thai. I mean, you can, it's almost like being ex military. You can kind of pick them out of a crowd. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can look and be like, yeah, that guy does something. Right. Yeah. It's, you, you get to know it. Right. But that's also what I tell people too is like when they, uh, I get a lot of people that ask me about like street fighting and stuff like that, especially bouncing when I, when I did that for a few years. And uh, what I like to tell them is like, you know, when you're a trained fighter, you can recognize other trained fighters. Right. I can tell you if somebody can handle themselves when they walk into a room. That's what I why I was a bouncer. Right. Because I can watch the way somebody carries themselves, their presence, their confidence, and I can tell you whether that person can handle themselves. So if I'm in an altercation, if I'm down at a local bar and some dude starts mouthing off to me, at any point I recognize he is a trained fighter. I'm stopping. Right. And he's probably going to, too, because we both recognize in that moment there's a there's danger. Right. And we don't need that. Right. What would probably happen, and if it was a, a real recognized situation, we felt like we wanted to continue the conflict, we'd probably schedule a date and time for it and do it in a gym. Right. Right? And we would just say, hey, fuck it, we'll just do that. Right. But very few situations are there. And the other, the other side of that is, too, is when you do train fighting all the time, and that taboo of a fight is removed, you don't walk around with like this sense of like proving yourself. Right. Like somebody says, I'm going to kick your ass. I get my ass kicked all the time. Like, <laughs> tell me something new, man. Right, right. Like, I don't care about this, right. you know? And I'm not going to go into this with the intention of winning. I'm just know what I'm capable of doing. Right. And if you're not capable of doing that, then you're going to be in a lot of problem, you know? Right. And right. so there's a confidence that I don't have to prove anything. So right. I don't really care, you know? Right. I don't get, like, worked up when people... Well, it, Sarge and I talked about that once before because I told him, I said, you know, what I believe, and that may not be true, like I said, I've, I mean, never really been in a martial arts gym Per se, right? Like, of course, you walk through, you walk in, you look, or whatever, or you know somebody, whatever, right? But it's never been like, okay, I'm here and I'm, I'm kind of checking this out, like really investing myself into, okay, is this going to be a thing I'm going to tackle and take on and make a part of my life? Because again, and like I, you know, I talked to you, you know, I've kind of reached a plateau with just the diet. So now, you know, talked to my doctor. He looked at everything. He said, you know, most of it looks good. You know, a couple things to look at and pay attention to. But it's it's kind of time. Like, okay, it's I need to add something else now. Right. Right. Um, because I've, I've reached a plateau with just dietary changes. Right. Um, but so I'm, I'm, I'm investing and in looking at, okay, is this a thing to tackle? Or maybe it's maybe it's go do this other thing or go try something different. Right. So I'm looking at it. And uh and I, and I forget why I was bringing up this point. It, it, there was a moral to the story, right? <laughs> um, but it, it's 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 kind of a what's going to work for me. But I, and that's what it was. Sarge and I were talking. And I told him. I said what I've noticed with people who I've met throughout my life that are into martial arts. They don't. They're not looking for a fight, right? And typically, they're more well behaved as people, 
right? They're just not... Yeah, of course, we can all be an asshole, right? And some of us are really, really, really good at it. But just because of that, it's... it's I don't want this conflict. And if, if you're... I would assume, right? Because I don't know. I'm not a trained fighter in that aspect. Uh, my assumption would be that... Uh, for the most part, I I know if, if I was a fighter, right? I know I'm going to win this. So there's really no point to me trying to engage it in any other way than to say, well, and use my words to say this is not something we need to do. To mature the way out of it is what I'm getting at, right? With, with just your random person on the street. Well, I can't speak for all martial artists, but I can speak for myself. And so to answer your question is actually don't view it that way. Um, the the act of winning is so dependent on variables sure. that are out of your control sometimes sure. or things that you have to overcome that, you know, to say that I could walk into a fight and I'm going to win that fight just because I kn- I'm a fighter. Right. Well, I don't know. Do I have a higher likelihood of winning that fight? Sure. W- what I do know I is I know what I'm capable of doing. Right. And I have a very realistic, very tested thing. I know... What it's like to fight somebody who's much bigger than me. I know what it's like to lose against that person. I know what it's like to win against that person. I know what it's like to be in different situations, in different places, on the ground, on my hands and feet, whatever. And so I know going into that, I have an idea at least what I'm getting into. Right. Right? I, I could at least understand the scope of my engagement. Right. And I have experience here, and I'm bringing that experience to that engagement. So for me, though, the humility in fighting at the beginning, you know, the biggest thing for me when I started training is you come off of this, like, persona of being a tough guy, right? I was right. ex-military, and, you know, I came, just came back from Iraq, and, you know, there's this persona that you're this tough guy. Everybody thinks that because you're ex-military, you can just kill people, right? Right, right. And uh, and then you and when you're ex-military and you can't, you don't tell them that you can't, right? Because right? you want to be the tough guy. Well, not and, only that, but let them believe what they want to yeah, believe. Exactly. Right? Let them let them believe their story, right? Right. And so I had this moment in my early martial arts career where I had to be faced with this with this with the problem of like, what am I actually capable of doing? And you're going to lose, and right. then you're going to get beat up a sure. lot, a lot, over and over and over again. And you, that's your first several years of training is just learning how to get your ass kicked. Right. Right. There's no way that you can come out of three years of getting your ass kicked and have an ego. Right. Right. I'm not going to sit there and look at somebody and they're, oh, I can kick your ass. Like, dude, I get my ass kicked all the time. Right. Like you saying you can kick my ass. There's no threat here because I put myself in these positions and I put myself in this environment and I've done this long enough that that just doesn't have any weight. Right don't care right like it's you know if i can beat you or you can beat me there's no weight in this right you know if i'm gonna get if i'm gonna engage in a physical conflict with somebody i would like to think that it's because there's a life and death reason right i could i can't imagine a scenario not saying that it could not happen right but i can't really imagine a scenario where somebody offended me enough with words right that would promote me to violence you know, or well, felt or, like I well, had to. Or provoke you to it. Yeah, like, right. you know, I, so I don't know if I would get to that. More so, like, so I guess I guess, my hidden question and all that I said was more of to the point, 
you, <laughs> this person's already decided to be aggressive. Right. And rather, and, and knowing, like you'd said, you know, fighters recognize other fighters, soldiers recognize other soldiers, so on and so forth, right? I would assume you'd be able to look at this guy and go, yeah, that's, that's beer muscles, right? Like, he's not a fighter. He's, he's just running his cock holster, right? And, uh, yeah, so if, if I'm on this, I'm going to destroy him. There's no doubt in my mind, right, oh, from a fighter perspective. So I would, my assumption is, and it's a 100% assumption, and you'll know better than me because, well, you've been doing this for as long as you have, right? So, you know, 20-some-odd years, right? So it's kind of faced with that. Is it, I guess the question is, would, would it be more likely that you would go, look, man, just calm down, right? I'll go away. I'll walk away. Whatever. Oh, or are you just gonna put the boots to him? And my assumption is, provided he takes heed and just lets you walk away, that it's that's what happens. Right. So what I I think that's the I would assume that's the maturity level of well, what I knowing your what I use in those situations, and and they do happen more often than you would think. Um, but what I do in those situations, what I learned when I was bouncing and I had a uh, police officer friend of mine at the time taught me the, uh, art of verbal judo. Right. And when he d- taught me that and I started employing that, and then I got the experience of doing that and bouncing enough, then I learned that I can pretty much talk my way out of just about anything. Right. Right. And I could do it in a way that we can leave friends. Right. right? And we don't have to have conflict. Right. And that was a skill so you know i i always call that my other martial art right like verbal judo is definitely something that i will employ to de-escalate a situation because i don't want conflict right that's not what i'm going for right um so yeah but you know the the confidence i think that what you were alluding to before like with martial artists or anybody that can handle themselves right what is the the confidence level or why do you have the confidence and i think the confidence comes back to like what i was saying earlier you go through the beat full part of your career is learning to get your ass beat right right? but what you gain from that is once you get outside of that and you get better or whatever you want to term with that or you get to where you start winning some then you've also learned the ability to not get hurt right right and so you've learned how to be assaulted by somebody who's larger than you, stronger than you, better than you, whatever the case may be. And now you have learned to be able to weather that storm enough to be able to come out on top. So that in order to get there, you have to learn to be able to weather that storm to not get hurt. And so my confidence comes from my, my thing is, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure there's people out there that are big enough, bad enough, whatever. But I do believe that regardless win or lose, I feel like no matter what the situation is, I can come out of it without getting hurt. Right. I can defend I've heard you myself. Say that before too. Right. Yeah. So that is that is where my confidence is at. Right. I, I don't worry about somebody being able to hurt me. Right. Whether I can win or lose outside of that, that doesn't really matter. Right. But you know, I so that isn't you know. I definitely don't walk around with this air of like, well, I could beat up this person. Right. Because right. Well, I that's just what I'm don't saying know. Is I don't think. I'd like to think that most 
martial artists in in the real world. I mean, you got guys like Conor McGregor, right? Like he's walking around and he's. I mean, that's kind of his persona, right? Right, <clears throat> and that's cool. I would like to think that that's not his every day, and I'm fairly certain it's. It might be, but <laughs> I have no right? idea. Like I seriously doubt he's walking into you know wherever the Apple Store, like you know, and has his hype hype man behind him, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, right? But but I would assume fame does weird things. Sure, to oh, I have sure. no idea. <laughs> well, maybe someday, right? <laughs> right, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just seems like as a matured fighter, it would just be I'm not going to take on a contest, so to speak, with just some guy who's running his mouth or whatever, just to say that I can. Yeah, right. It's more of the guy's full of shit you know whatever i'd like to think that the majority of people that do train martial arts that find themselves in that that bracket they're probably earlier in their career you know they're they're in that one to three to five year range where they're still wanting to like proof it test it you know get you know even bruce lee did that right bruce lee went out on the streets after he would learn his techniques and then he would test it in street fights right (laughs) Right. so that's not a new thing and and i'm not going to fault anybody if that's what they're out there doing but you know at least for myself and others that i know i think that at some point you don't have that interest i mean obviously even i did i got into bouncing Right. right. And that was terrifying. You know, I had been doing mixed martial arts for about three years before I got into bouncing. And then uh, I had a bunch of traditional karate guys in my life at that time, too, that were like, you know, mixed martial arts isn't the real world. You know, that you got eye gouging and all this other stuff and right. your stuff isn't going to work. And and so I go into the bar and, and I'm not a very big guy anyway. You right. know, being five, eight and bouncing is kind of like not right. the best thing. It, it would be better if I was over six foot. Well, and, so and, the testimony then speaks for itself, because I know a lot of rednecks that would just be like, this little dude ain't going to do nothing. Right. Well, you know what, <laughs> what? What did it for me is I was it was my very first night at the at the bar and there was a fight that broke out on the patio mm-hmm. and uh, we went out there to break up the fight and the fight got broke up. It was no big deal. And then as we were leaving, uh, I got hit in the back. And before I realized what had happened, I had turned around. I got double underhooks on the guy. I picked him up. We were five, six, seven feet heading toward a wall. Before I even realized what happened, right, my body just took over instinctually, right, and he had come completely and tackled me from behind, right, and that was the moment that I realized it was like, oh wait, no, this is all instinct, you know, right. The stuff that I had to learn to get through at the bar was the fear of the conflict, the leading up to the fight. Right. That's the most terrifying thing in the world. Right. You know, you're going up to a conflict situation and all of a sudden you got your knees are weak and your hands are shaking sure. and you're yeah. like, Oh my God. Right. And then you got to talk to this guy without stuttering, you know, right. you got to leave the bar now, you know, <laughs> Oh God, it's so terrifying. Right. But for me, the peace would come when the fight would start. Right. Cause as soon as something physical happened, everything got calm. Right. And so I actually ended up getting out of bouncing because I was getting more conflict oriented the later in because it was like, all right, I just wanted to go. Right. That was, I get wanted to get past the scary part right. and get into the comfort zone. Right. Because that's where I was comfortable because that's what I did. I trained. Right. So that was a comfortable space. And, and so the bar life experience at least allowed me to test in a semi real world 
right. conduction of whether or not martial arts could be effective. And in that, I think everybody needs to uh, have at some point, you right. know, even uh, the captain did that for a period uh, because I did it and I told him and he was like, okay, I want to do it too. Right. And, you know, and it completely reshaped his perspective on what a street fight is, right. you know, because that's the big thing out there. I think that everybody gets so hung up on like what a street fight is. And right. then when you see a street fight or you're in one, and it's completely underwhelming, right. you know, and you realize that, especially as a fighter, it's like for me, um, when I was at the bar, my tactic would usually be once the fight would start, the guy would typically throw a haymaker or something like that. It was, it's pretty simple. And right. I would stop the first attack. I would, he's an unstoned yeah, ape. Right. I would, <laughs> I would take that person to the nearest wall. Right. And I would slam them into the wall, shoulder them into the wall, mm-hmm. establish a good solid wall clinch. And then at that point, I knew I was at a good place to start fighting. Right. Right. But what I would do is as soon as that happened, once I had them on the wall in control, I would stop and I would ask them, I'd say, are you done? Right. And nine out of ten times, they go, yep. Yeah, because they learned something too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, right. everybody has a plan A. Right. They don't have a plan B. Right. When you're a fighter, you have a plan A through Z, right. then 1 through 84. Right. Okay? <laughs> so you have, like, that for me, I just wanted to get to a neutral spot to start the fight. Right. He just thought, I'm going to hit this guy and he's going to fall on the ground. Right. And right. when the, that didn't happen, he went, oh, shit, what right. do I do now? Well, and so, <laughs> so to illustrate that... That's what I learned this week watching that Muay Thai face. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say, right? Like if I'm in a Walmart parking lot and a dude does that and his face goes that intense and his hands come up and his legs start to do some shit. I'm done. I'm going to the truck. I'm out. It's homie. the are, it's the are you done face. <laughs> yeah, okay. right there. Like, uh, you know, and I'm not labeling. a coward by no means. But I seen that ten year old boy or twelve. I don't know how old he was. I know his dad showed me his stats. And he's, he's eleven. Fought, eleven. Yeah. yeah. And he's eleven o and o. Yeah. And I heard him hit those pads, and it was like a firecracker going off. I said, well, "We're done, right?" And then I looked at the mom. I said, "How do you discipline him?" <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know? they're good kids, and they've they actually uh, came from one of the neighboring programs. Right. Uh, but they the, their coach was from Ron's as well, and and they're just fantastic kids. Well, and, and they've had a lot of good. That's training. the other side, you know. And as I talk, as I continued to talk to the mom and dad after I got out of that room, so he wouldn't kill me just because, because mm-hmm. uh, he clearly gave me a look like you want some, and I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. Right? <laughs> like I'll get you some cookies. You cool, right? Like whatever. Uh, but uh, so I'm talking to him and I asked the mom, I said, you know, how, how in the world do you how can you discipline him? And that's and the, the dad was immediate. He was like, we don't have to. We don't have to because this is what's doing it. Yep. Right. And that's that's kind of where my my idea comes from of if if somebody's an experienced fighter, my assumptions. Right. And they're simply that. Right. Is that they're going to know almost immediately as whatever engagement happens and i don't know this to be fact right so i can only ask you guys because i know that you know it seems as if you would go as soon as you put your hands on like this is not an experienced fighter oh you know way before then right and yeah if i do what i'm capable of doing i'm probably really gonna hurt this guy which is really just gonna hurt me you know second third and fourth order effects so 
let me just try to explain to him why this is a bad idea. And if he continues or she continues or whatever the case, if they continue, then I'll do something a little different and then ask again. Like, I feel like that maturity level that would come with it. Um, and maybe not right out of the gate. You know, I could imagine, right, Jump Street, you're like, yeah, I want a real-world test, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, but it, it seems as if that maturity level, because I'm pretty sure that kid would have kicked me once, seen me double over and, and come close to needing, like, 911 being called, and he'd have been like, sorry, old man. Like, I didn't realize you didn't know shit. You know what I mean? Like, Yo, I get kicked by him. So the kids, they, I'm so they, sorry, you man. have no idea. <laughs> they have no mercy, right? right? So there, there is no holding back. Like when the right. adults spar, we're like, you know, let's go fifty percent or whatever. Right. You know, we have an agreeable amount of like, how hard are we going right. to? As soon as the kids get the chance to hit on me, it's like, no, 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 three hundred percent. And you know, I thought even my own kid, right? right? I thought, oh, you know, my youngest is fourteen and uh. He, he comes to the gym one day, and I'm like, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, I could tell him 50%. No, not even a little <laughs> bit, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, <laughs> some of that, this is my opportunity. Yeah. Remember when oh, you grounded man. me six years ago? Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so, but I'm telling you, yeah, if if uh, if, the, if that kid, particular kid, if he decided to kick you, like, oh. it hurts. It hurts I, enough. I, like, I was 10 feet away, and it hurt. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like. I mean, I'm half deaf from being an artilleryman for 21 years, and it hurt my eardrums, right? When yeah. he hit those pads, it was insane. Like, that kind of power in somebody that time. And he's a little dude, like, super unassuming to look at, right? Physics. And, and uh, yeah, but the face that he had on and his sister's face, like, it was, mm -hmm. like, these are now, not human beings. She's she's only nine. Really? That's a nine-year-old sister. Yeah, and she's fantastic. Like if, you, if you're in the area, like, y'all need to for real go down and check it out. Like, no shit. It's <laughs> well, amazing, right? No, I mean, it's legit. Like, just go watch this kid. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, and yeah. the mom's showing me, like, the daughter, she's on posters, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I'm telling you, like, it was scary. It was scary to know that something that tiny could put I mean, it, it's, it was ridiculous. It was like, oh, my God. And well, then I'm thinking to myself, I've wasted 40 years, our, of my, 30 years of my life because I could have been 13 yeah. and standing where he's our at. Guest, no. Our guest next week is uh, uh, one of the members of the gym. He was a uh, police officer, but mm -hmm. he is a safety officer in schools. Right. And uh, when he first started training, my son was down training. And now my son is good at Muay Thai. He's sure. been training for a while. So right. he's not new. Right. And... I'm his coach, so he's <laughs> no. he's got some pretty good firsthand training. You know, right. most most of that's private lessons. So, sure. um, but uh, the, uh, John is his name, and he's a very big guy. Mm -hmm. He's scary big. You right. know, he's that six three or six four two sixty. You know, Jesus. he's a monster. Right. And um, my son is you know five nine or five ten, hundred and sixty pounds each, and. Um, he held pads for him, and I remember seeing the look on his face when Ethan hit. <laughs> and I was like, "Woo!" And it was like, and then he comes over afterward, and he goes, those kids are walking by me all day yeah. at school. Yeah. He's like, holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was like, those kids are in the school with you. Right. And, you know, people are going to be, you could be eating that. Yeah. Like that's a that could be a very and for him it was a very eye-opening you know awakening experience right. to go oh shit 
that's scary. Yeah. Right. Right. And because because uh, Ethan hits hard, like really, really hard. He hits as hard as any adult I know. Wow. And he packs a punch because he's such an athlete. You know, that kid right. has been playing competitive soccer since he was four years old. Jeez. He is on a national Premier League team that travels the country playing soccer. Right. He's an elite level athlete. Right. So you, you know, you take a fighter like him who's an athlete like that, even with just a little bit of training, their abilities are much greater than somebody who doesn't have that athletic right. base. Right. right. He's he does things way better than I do sometimes because wow. I'm not nearly the athlete that he is. Wow. You know, I use him for demonstrations sometimes on things that I struggle with because I'm like, here, go do that. Right. <laughs> taking a break. Yeah, I'm yeah, taking yeah, a break right now. Here, go do that one right there. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know, because he is just such a phenomenal athlete. Right. But that also goes back, you know, we talk about street fighting in the real world. It's, oof, you got people out there even with no training. Right. Man, these extreme athletes, you know, and you grab a hold of somebody like that and you got a real problem on your hands. Right. I don't care if they know how to fight or not. Right. But again, those people, you know. Right. You're going to see them in the crowd. Right. You know, that six foot two, 220 pound linebacker in the corner, you're probably not going to go run your mouth to him anyway. Right. You know? Right. He's not looking for a fight well, and you aren't either. And that's what I'm saying <laughs> about these folks that I see in, in the in the gym. Right down there at 10th Planet, like, like most of, especially the jujitsu, and I'm not saying that they're not in good shape. I mean, clearly they're in good shape, but they're also, you know, wearing rash guards and everything else, right? So, you know, you can see the definition, but just in day to day street clothes, you're not seeing all that. But I think being unassuming, and that's what you're talking about. That's being, right. So here's the here's the the number one reason why I love jujitsu for women is because. In my personal belief, I be, I think that women have a are better at jujitsu than men. Well, they're already more flexible. They're so much because. more flexible, and they're more powerful in flexible positions. And so, women, at least in the early part of their jujitsu experience, usually will outpace guys. Okay, and uh, they become very dangerous and threatening quickly. But you and they're so unassuming, right. you know. And if I say that, you know, I've done grappling for at least three years, and. I'm not terrible at jujitsu. I'm I I really joke about it a lot, but I'm actually not terrible. I'm decent enough. Right. And these women are threatening to me. Right. Like I could tell you that like they catch me and they could put me to sleep and okay, so this is a real problem. Right. And now you take somebody that has no clue what they're doing and this guy comes up and he decides he's gonna backhand this girl or he's right. gonna do something. Oh my God! Well, see, and that's you're that's, done. You're that's, done before you even know that's you're done. Kind of what I'm saying. So from the jujitsu <laughs> side of it, right? It's yeah, you get to put your hands on this this martial mm -hmm. artist, right? You're going to regret it, but and I, they're going to laugh at you while they're doing it. Oh, they will right? 100. Flip side, Eric would smile from ear right? to ear while he was choking look, you was, completely unconscious. He was after <laughs> look. So him and Sarge were going at it today, right? And I was talking with uh, Zach, right? And Zach's a pretty big dude, right? Like, he's he's pretty well built, and he's fast and wiry and all, like... like yeah, I, he's he, impressive. Yeah, right? And, uh, you know, and his thing, you know, he's, I'm trying to work on slowing down and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And, you know, and him and I kind of had a little conversation, but I'm watching the professor and Sarge, and they're just kind of, like, doing some things and showing me some things. And then they were like, okay, we need to get a workout too, right? So they kind of go at it. And I look at Zach and I said, why does he look 
like Jesus Christ. Right? And he literally did. He's just <laughs> looking up. I'm telling you, right? Ask him about it when you talk to him, right? Oh, my goodness. I said, he looks like Jesus looking at Sarge going, come here, my son. Right? <laughs> like, that's all. It was just like, this is happening. And then I said, and he's telling him, come here, my son. You're about to meet my father. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's right? so funny. And it was just this look on his face like, this is just, this is just a day to me, right? And it was so weird. And, uh, of course, he's, you know, Zach started laughing. I was laughing. And I was like, because that's what it looked like. I mean, he's just sitting on the ground. His legs are kind of folded like a, like a yogi, right? I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> on a serious note, the most impressed I've ever been with that man. And I got to brag on him for a second. But we were at the gym one night. And there, um, there was three kids down at the gym, younger, like early 20s, right? All wrestlers, right? One of them a college, like Division One or Division Two level wrestler, and uh, they were in- incredible athletes to begin with, right? right? And but they were relatively new to jujitsu, and uh, he's sitting down on the floor, and then they he just got done rolling. It's at the end of the night, and they get the idea that they're gonna all three take him on, <laughs> okay? Right. And he's talking <laughs> shit the whole time, right? And. As a coach who has done things like this, in my mind, I'm thinking he's talking shit knowing he's getting ready to get murdered, okay? <laughs> like, they're going to just tie him up, and, like, I'm I'm picturing how this is going to go down in my right. head. And then it started. Like, the game face that right. came on. You talk about terrifying. He murdered all three of those guys <laughs> so fast, wow. so quickly, so fast proficiently in ways that I had not even considered. Okay. And it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. But I'll tell you what, in that moment, I was terrified of him Yeah, because I realized (laughs) you, like we talked about earlier, Muay Thai versus jujitsu, right? That window is, it's almost like Sarge was talking about earlier about shooting a bear. Yeah. Right. That window that I have to win Oh God! And that was terrifying. That was fast, right. and and how quickly those guys went away, like it was two or three seconds. It was a boom, 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 and wow. it it was like there was no chance. And right. he was using people to wrap up other people and choking and submitting them while he was going through. <laughs> and I was just like, Oh my gosh! Right. I didn't even know jujitsu could do that. Right? He needs cameras in place. Dude, place with a DVR. It was. Right. <laughs> It was it was it was impressive. Right. It was yeah. f- way. It was. Well, see, and, and that's, it's a that's thing. the thing with like with jujitsu. Like I say, you know, if if I'm if I'm the the perpetrator or whatever, and you grab a like, you're gonna get your hands on somebody if they're jujitsu martial artists. You you are because mm-hmm. that's their game. They right. want you to, right? Right. You're gonna lose, no doubt about it. Right. And and that part of it's scary. From the Muay Thai's perspective, like if you see that, like the minute that you see that person put their guard up and that game face come on, you know you've made a mistake. You could continue if you want, but you you know, I've, I if, especially if you're not a fighter, and I'm by no means am I a hand-to-hand fighter. See, I don't, I, I don't know where my where my where I land on that because. Even I if, wish, even if I they wish put a th- smile, it's no, that, no. It, it, I'm think, telling you, it, I think, I think for me, I wish that I looked more unassuming. I think that well, when that's, you that's when you thing. don't look unassuming, it attracts that well, sometimes. But here's the thing: like I saw all those people before 
Like, I, you hadn't started when I walked in. Mm -hmm. You were getting ready to start. And all of them are just standing around, and it's like, okay, this looks like a beginner-level deal. Right. Right? Like, it's just a bunch of kids and, you know, a couple of, a couple of older guys. I mean, not they're not old. I mean, I'm older than they are. But, I mean, you know, and it's just like, yeah, just real unassuming. I mean, one of them, I, you know, he's a little, little heavy. Look, a little heavier than me, it looked like. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, let's go. And then it, it was just like, these are different people. I'm telling you, that when that you, they put that face on, them hands come up, and then they just started bouncing and working their footwork. And I'm like, yeah. The minute somebody comes up on their toes and, and that face turns around, I, you know you made a mistake. You know you made a mistake. Now, conversely, with somebody with jujitsu, the minute you grab them and then all of a sudden your hands twist around backwards and your 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 epiglottis is touching your testicles, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I, I made I a Google. mistake. <laughs> right? You know. Well, uh, that's the yeah. I mean, it's it's they're they're very different, and and prior to Thursday, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. Yeah, uh, or when was it Wednesday? That's night? cool. I mean, you know, I I'm glad you shared it because it's definitely something I've never heard before. Well, and and not in the way that you presented it. Well, and I, I really <laughs> anybody who's not even interested in martial arts at all, you need to go to the gym and look at it so you know if you decide to get froggy that that might not be the person to jump. <laughs> well, that's I think that's how the professor started. Is he wanted to see if he could defend himself, and yeah. so that's what. And then he yeah. realized he couldn't, and that's what started his journey. Well, and, yeah. and and I'm here to tell you. So after participating today, and like I said, I was all about like you know, and I've told you before, like if, if you're telling me to do it, then I'm going to do it. You know, uh, and and it it was kind of when I went there that night, it was like okay, this is this is kind of like my exposure. Right. right for me and it was and then when i saw like kicking pads and i'm like yeah i'm not there yet i'm not anti doing it i'm just not at a point where i feel comfortable because of injuries right and right. it's you know I, f I feel like once i've stressed them a little and and you know like you guys talk about uh one of the previous podcasts you guys were talking about like strengthening your shin bone right mm -hmm. same kind of deal with my forearm right. you know uh and sarge today you know i, I was putting him in some position that he showed me and uh, i told him i said yeah it's it's killing me because the back of your your head is on these steel bars that are in my arm and he said right. yeah they're killing me too right and i'm like oh okay well i'm used to dealing with that pain so how do you like it and he's like i don't and i'm like okay well then this is working right, right? um advantage right <laughs> so you know my wolverine is is working for me uh but uh when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm not there, but I feel like as I go into this potentially looking in, you know, and, and the professor's looking for a place down there and, and that I could go, that's going to fit, you know? Uh, and, uh, if he finds me one, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot, but I would, I feel like the potential exists where it's like, you know what I've, I've learned to incorporate. I mean, I deal with pain every day. Like it's just a part of living mm -hmm. with the various injuries that I have. Um, to a point where, you know, if, if you took a perfectly healthy person, and this is kind of how I explain it to the doctors. If you took somebody that experiences zero pain and took what I have and put them on, put it on them, they, they would go into the ER immediately. Right. right? Like they're done. Right. Like probably death from the amount of pain that I just live with. So it's, that's my new zero. Right. Uh, you know, they give you that stupid scale, you know, where's your pain? Zero to 10, you know? Um, so my zero is everybody else's six or seven, right? 
potentially. Right. I mean, you know, just throwing numbers, right? Um, but I feel like with the right amount of conditioning, my zero would shift again, right? And if it does, then it's like, okay, well, hey, we've gotten pretty good at this, right? Let's let's incorporate something different too, because I'm going to reach another plateau at some well, point. I'm a big proponent. One of the things that I like about jujitsu, and and I would also sell it as it's a great addition to your lifelong health goals, right? Sure. Because all the way back to like tying your shoes, right? If you're practicing jujitsu all the way into your elderly years, right, you're going to have right. the ability to do that. But you know, in to the other part of that though it is is it does allow you to train around limitations right right? and training around your limitations is the only advice that i would give you is because you need to doing less is never the answer right right if if you are somebody who let's say you have bad knees and then all of a sudden well it hurts to walk and so you stop walking then eventually you're going to lose more and more mobility and you're going to gain weight and then it's going to get more pain and then you know the answer is never to stop right right the answer is just like Okay, how do I work around these limitations? Well, how do I make these work for me? And how do I maintain as much mobility and as and as much health as I can with these things present? Well, and and that's the thing. Like no matter what you do at a certain point, you're you're either gonna plateau with something or you're gonna become the apex predator at it. Whatever right. it is. Right? If you're if you're the best at log splitting, then you're just the best at it. So what do you do then? And that's kinda what I'm saying is is at a certain point you know, if I if if and most likely when I dive off into doing jujitsu, which is probably what's going to happen, provided he can find me a place that they're just not in the Stone Ages with it, right? Uh, which he doesn't think is a possibility where I'm at, but it is what it is. You know, I can I can only work with the left and right limits that I have, um, but uh, at a certain point, I I might plateau, like I might just be like kind of how where he's at where it's like yeah you just need to open your own place it's not that you can't learn more here in this sport but at this point you're your own thing right right? and that's where he's at and so that could potentially happen depending on how much i stick with it how much i'm into it i mean you know we're talking I mean, there's guys that five, six, seven, eight years is all they've been doing. And then they're running gyms and they're doing what they've got to do. That's not off the table for me. No, it's not. So uh, in the event that that was to occur, it's like, well, what do I do now? What can I do different? What can I add to this? Right. Because like, you know, you asked me the question when I did my first podcast at the end. It's like, do you feel like you've been successful? That's a hard question. It really is a hard question because thus far is the only answer that you can give to that if you want anything better or want to do better, right? To keep turning the phrase, right? Um, you know, and, and when I was here, you know, the for the Four Brothers podcast, you know, he gave me a shirt. It's a large. I haven't worn a large shirt since I was like 14, right? And it's not because I was big. It's because I'm 6'1". Like, I mean, I would be batting for the other team if I wore a large shirt, right? It's above the belly button. I'd have guys whistling. It's a whole thing, right? Which is no big deal. I'm all for that. It lets me know I still got it, right? It's just right now I'm shaped like what they call a bear. I don't know if you're familiar with the terms, right? Very Whatever. Familiar. Uh, <laughs> right? The big guy that, you know, looks like you could cover him with butter and have a good time. Uh, but whatever. Um but he gave me a large shirt, and so I took that shirt and I, I pinned it up in my closet. It's the first thing I see 
after when I go in to get dressed and, and that's, I'm going in here to get dressed and, you know, I walk into my walk-in closet. I've got my clothes. I'm getting ready to get dressed. And that's what I see is do better. And that just tells me every day I can do better today than I did yesterday. I can learn something new today that I didn't know yesterday. I can go out and finish something that I started yesterday. So it will be better. And then therefore I'm doing better. And so it's, it's kind of become, and that's why, you know, that's why I send all you guys updates on what's going on with me and where I'm at and what's happening because it's it's an accountability thing number 1. But more than that, it's it's and I've told you, you know, I've texted you several times like you have no idea. Like I've got my grandkids coming over. I'm able to do things now with them that I wasn't and I just want that to continue and to grow and to get bigger and better. And I owe that to you guys. I do. You know, I, I, you did the work, brother. Well, I might have done the work, but somebody had to push me over the edge, right? You know, and, and it, took, it took somebody to go, bro, you can do it, right? Just do it, right? And, and here's the problem with that is I'll, I talk to people all the time. Right. And, and I'm talking to them about and they're telling me and I'm giving them life advice. And it's like, look, you know, you can get here. I came from nothing from, I mean, bona fide white trash out of a trailer park came from that and and got to where I'm at to where if I want to go on a vacation, I just go. I just tell her, pack, we're leaving and we leave. It's not a, every night is Friday night. Every day is Saturday at this point for me and money doesn't run my day to day. I don't have to grind to make my bills. Right. Right. Um, I just live, but that's all I was doing was just living. And then people are asking me like, how do I get to where you're at from where I'm at? And I'm like, this is the roadmap. Here it is. Here are your options. A, B, C, D. Right. But I didn't have anybody doing that for me. Nobody. It was, I, I was just, my, I was the apex predator and didn't see anything past it. And then I meet you guys and it's like, hey man, look over this fence. There's all this green grass. And this fence doesn't have to be here because you built it. And it was like, holy shit. And it was a fucking epiphany. Right? And it was like, just do work. Just do something. Do anything. Right? And then it was, what do I do? Where do I start? No clue not a clue and then i meet you guys and i'm like i sent you all a text tell me where to start (laughs) what the fuck do i do first right Right. and it could have been take a shower or jerk off or it could have been do what do what you said to do change your diet have you looked at this have you looked at that send me some blood work let me look at it let me see what it looks like okay here you go now tell me what to do do this 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 and this and execute and then i just say okay you said do this don't do this thing and only do this in moderation well I'll just take that out, get rid of it, and make it zero because that's just going to make this other thing go that much faster. Fuck yeah, I'm on it like shit on grass and make it so. And that's all I'm doing. That's it. And so, and then I tell you, hey, I feel like I've kind of reached a plateau, you know, is what can I do now? And you're like, come over. Let me show you something. Nine and a half hours on the road. Let's ride. Right? I'm, I'm about to get schooled again. And, and look over this fence that you built. Okay, cool. Tear it down. Let's rock. And that's, that's where I'm at with it. And I'm just going to keep going, right? So the answer to that question that you asked the first time, do you feel like you've been successful? Hell to the fuck no. <laughs> nope, not yet. Watch me, though. Just watch me because it's going to happen. It just is. 
because I can I can only perpetuate the lie of I'm a monster for so long. Somebody's going to test me, and right. I just have to show them. And that's what you guys are doing is testing me. Are you a monster or are you just shit-talking? Okay, let me show you, and then just go do it. And that's what I'm doing. That's it's it. Beautiful, man. <laughs> something. It, it might I be am, full of shit, but it's something. <laughs> I am so grateful that you're getting that experience. And that is, you know, that's the that's the most that you could ever hope for. Right. You know, that's all I ever hope for is just to be able to have it. And, you know, and I think that's the thing is the only words of wisdom, I guess, that I would give you in your journey is don't let your pursuit of outcome uh, take away the experience of pursuing it. Oh, for sure. You know, Sometimes we get lost in wanting to get somewhere that we forget that getting there is the journey. Right. Well, and and to be honest, that's that's another reason for me jumping on the scale as much as I do. Right. Because it's it I get to see it's like that instant gratification of it's happening. And when those when those ebb and flows occur and there's a little setback, I don't let that ruin me. Right. Mm -hmm. I look at it and I go, okay just gonna have to work a little harder but that's fine spin it to a positive and make it motivation that's right like okay this is the you're doing things you're still doing something right it's Mm -hmm. not a backward step i think the the one of the biggest things that helped me with that mindset too is realizing that um there was no time frame on things that's right you know if i if i make a mistake with something if i change my nutrition or i change my exercise and i go backward well I'm not I'm not in a race right like there is no time frame like okay I realized I went backward lesson learned correction right go forward right like there's no like oh I think people get so hung up with oh my wasted this or I wasted that or I can't get this back or no you know what you lived you learned that's right you had a lesson move on that's right now you know right you know and if you don't approach it like that you get so discouraged and you quit Right. And it's it's you, know, you have to have that you have to have that grace with yourself to be able to like just say, Hey, I gotta figure things out too. Right. And it's like I told you with nutrition. Nutrition, there's a guideline to it that I'm trying to coach and educate you in. But there will be individual nuances to it. Sure. Not every human has the same biology. Right. There are gonna be things that are gonna be for we, you. We that were aren't definitely for me. different seminal ejaculations. <laughs> it's one hundred percent. So, you know, but that's important to, for people to understand that. That like right. there is no cookie cutter one size fits all to anything, right. you know. You're gonna have to say, hey, or you could take the world's best exercise advice from this guy over here. And then for you, you may have to modify it a little bit to work or to be effective for you right. that doesn't mean that they, what you got from that guy was worthless right. it just means that you had to modify it and you know we have this like winner take all kind of thing where we don't want to let that go right and so yeah it's like i said it's a journey sure. and i'm still on my journey you well, know eventually i'm gonna reach my goals and 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 get to wherever that place is but you know i've tried to just enjoy the experience right. of it well, and that's and, that's the one thing if I could stress to anybody about trying to do what I'm doing or or lose weight or whatever it is, just just roll with it. Like don't don't let it consume you, but just realize that there's going to be an ebb and flow. Like that's the biggest thing. You know, yeah. you just you you you've already beat yourself up enough. Right. Don't keep doing it. Just take the win. 
do better. Do better. Right. <laughs> well, that seems like a very good place to go ahead and wrap up this episode, sir. I'll tell you what. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. I appreciate the gift. The Willies oh, sure, is the sure. most amazing thing. <laughs> We're going to have you to have you back in future episodes for again sure. so that we can keep that and we'll keep your progress going. I'm, I'm very excited about that. So thank yeah. you for coming on the podcast. Yes, sir. sir absolutely. All Anytime. right. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you're still following us, make sure you go ahead and click subscribe and hit that notifications bell so that you're able to hear us as we drop episodes here every week. We thank you for your time with us. I also want to give a big thank you to our sponsors. I want to thank Malevolent Arts Studio out of Barnhart, Missouri. That is Anthony Ferguson, our man over there. If you guys are looking for a quality tattoo, please go see him. He will help you all the way through the experience and design something for you that you're going to be happy with. If you excellent line art, color, color line work and color saturation, um, anything that you wanted to do, traditional uh, style tattoos, illustrated tattoos, uh, he is definitely your man for that. I want to give another shout out to our man Elliot Growth over at eGrowth Productions. He is the one that does all the audio and video for the Stoned Apes and for 10th Planet Crystal City. Make sure that you reach out to him if you're looking for any audio or video work look down in the description and you will see a, a link to reach out mention the stoned apes and you will get 10 percent off of any service with him elliot also owns gateway tattoo studio and that is in arnold missouri elliot is an appointment only artist there so if you guys are looking for a custom piece of work and you have he does black gray and realism work uh, reach out to him his information is also down into the description and if you book with him through that mention the stoned apes and you get $50 off of any half day booked appointment. Thank you guys again. And for this episode, the stoned apes are out. <laughs>